Hey, Lauren. Hey, Sam. Are you ready to talk about communion? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Hello. Before we start, Lauren has a very important and timely announcement for everyone. It's our 50th episode! What? 50? <laughs> Can you believe? Can you even believe that it's been 50 episodes? I can't. We've been recording this for 50 years. <laughs> An it's episode our, a year. It's yep. our golden anniversary. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's been great. It's awesome. been a labor of love for sure. It's definitely been a, a learning curve, but you know, I mean, it wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to do it if it weren't for you guys. So thank you so much. Yeah. From everyone who has stayed with us from our humble beginnings. Yes. 50 episodes later, here we are. I'm so excited for the next 500. 50. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I added a zero. <laughs> we have a special guest. Yes. Mike Hello. is here. <laughs> I'm back. Thank you for having me back again. Yes. Mike recommended the movie Communion, and I thought he would have a lot of things to say about it, so. I also have a lot of things to say. <laughs> for Spooktober. <laughs> your, your text made me laugh, because usually you'll text a couple little things, but all you said was, well, I watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> or no, well, I finished the movie. <laughs> well... I think you'll see later why uh -oh. <laughs> it's for the first in our spooktober series so this our was a good kickoff <laughs> um we do have a mini topic this week which is stuff we saw as a as a kid but appreciated more as an adult do you want to go first um uh, mike do you want to go first since you're the guest you can go ahead okay well i um my first one that goes along with the topic is a TV show and not a movie, and it's the show Frasier. Oh, <laughs> okay. When I was a kid, I did not care for that show at all. Like, my mom really liked it, and I was just like, oh, it's so, it was so drab. Like, it's drab. It's a very brown show. You know, it's about, like, middle-aged men that when you're eight years old, you really have no interest in middle-aged men. You know, just things like that. <laughs> as, as most eight-year-olds should. Yeah, and it's just, <laughs> like... Half. I didn't care for it. I thought it seemed boring and ugly because, as I said, it's very, like, muted. Yeah. The color tone, the color palette. Everything is I, beige in that show. Yeah. But then I saw it when I was, like, a, an older teenager, like a late teenager. I saw it in syndication again or something. And it's really funny. I really like it. Uh, I think it's clever. It makes me laugh out loud. And I uh, just, you know, like a total 180, which... I guess it's not surprising, but it was like a total 180 from when I was a kid in an early teen thinking it was probably boring. And I don't, I mean, it's just funny. Like, it's just, it's a good show. Have you guys ever watched it, either of you? Yeah, I like it. I think as you grow up, it's like one of those things where as you're a kid, this, you're like, this is the most boring thing. Then as you grow up, you're like, oh, actually, now that I understand these jokes that they're saying, like, it's actually pretty funny. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I never really got into Frasier, although I understand it's really popular. A lot of people like Frasier. Um, 
When I was a kid, I did watch Cheers, which is the show Frasier spun off from. Oh, yeah. And I, I enjoyed Cheers quite a bit. And I think that might be easier to like if you're a kid because it had like, well, it was in a more colorful setting in a bar most yeah. of the time. And it had like a, a weird cast of characters that was easy to, you know, just have a handful of fun characters. And that seemed more exciting to me than Frasier did. But yeah, pretty good. I always forget that Frasier is an offshoot of Cheers yeah, because I, I saw Cheers off and on when I was a kid too, just because, you know, it's so popular and you're right. It is a more like engaging show for all ages mm-hmm. because they have like the character tropes of like bar flies and things, you know? Yeah. I never really gotten to, <laughs> I never really gotten to Cheers. I do. I, I can understand why you like Frasier and I could see myself liking it too, but I never, I didn't, I didn't like, I haven't watched it. Let me know? tell you the scene. I'll, I'll tell you the scene that won me over. I saw it when I was, okay. like I said, a late teen and they were doing like, um, <laughs> so Frasier's, it's making me laugh already. Frasier's a radio host. Like he does like a radio show where he gives people advice. He's like psychologist and they do like a radio drama, like a mystery, like a murder mystery on the radio. And Roz, his assistant had like dental surgery and so she was talking with like a weird speech impediment and she was supposed to say one of her or her character's lines was he's a multiple murderer but she said he's a mobile murderer and that like killed me (laughs) i was i don't know 17 and i was sold from that moment so if that doesn't sell you then maybe don't watch it That was it. That was your moment where you were like, this is it. I'm going to love yeah. this show for the rest for, of my life now. I think that does sum up the Frasier experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For most people, probably a lot of people listening will be like, me too. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that was also the moment I decided I liked Frasier. No way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so mine is, I have a couple of them. Um, the first, so <laughs> I kind of did a little bit, a, a little bit of a different one because Sam and I always talk about how when we're, we're discussing like, or when we're trying to figure out like our mini topics, we're always like, we're always like, what are, what are movies? Have I even ever seen a movie? <laughs> Cause- yeah, if we were just sitting around casually, I could think of every movie I've ever seen in my life, but when I'm supposed to do it for the show, I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> you're like are cameras even a thing um anyway so <clears throat> when i was like when i was a teenager i really liked the show csi the las vegas one but i hated the character sarah like so much and then i recently started watching it and i was talking to sam on skype and i'm like so i kind of actually like sarah now and she's like, this is a total 180 from you. Because I was just like, oh, great. Sarah's here. Like, freaking hate Sarah. Sarah's the worst. And as I started watching the show more and more, I was like, she's actually, like, she's actually kind of a cool character. She's, like, really fights for women. And I love that. And I don't know. Something happened. I guess experiences in my life led me to go, you know, maybe I should give this character a second chance. And so that's how I feel about her now. Yeah, it was kind of a funny turn because you were Skyping me about how you were watching CSI and you had nothing nice to say about her. And that kind of <laughs> goes along with 
the way you are normally where you're like, oh, I'm watching this terrible show and I hate it. And I'm never going to watch it anymore. I'm going to stop. And then like an hour later, you'd be like, so I watched another episode and I'm going to keep watching it. So it's the same, like <laughs> you always, you always give people a second chance. It shows people. <laughs> it's important I, to gauge exactly how, how you hate something sometimes. Yeah. So you gotta do a deep dive. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like I, was watching what was it like shadow hunters and i was like this show's garbage i mean it's absolute trash and then i watched like maybe two more episodes and i was like so i'm gonna finish it in general <laughs> she's like so you I, got a, <laughs> I got a shadow hunters tattoo that's basically <laughs> what it is yeah i actually haven't watched it since the last no. time we talked about it so you know <laughs> Sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, CSI, I, there's something else that you mentioned about CSI that I feel like it bears repeating because you told me that you had like a mega crush on Grissom. <laughs> and my mom was my mom was a really big CSI fan. So when I lived at home, I saw CSI here and there. And I said, I always thought he looked like a Muppet. <laughs> okay, I, you ruined that for me, by the way, because now I can't unsee that. Like Muppet. every time he comes on the screen, I'm like... And he does kind of look like a Muppet. <laughs> because it's like, we do diff, we we do have different views on like attractiveness and people, but that one even <laughs> surprised me. Vastly <laughs> different views on what we find attractive. I'm sorry I ruined it for you though, but yeah. That's okay. He grows a beard and I think it might come back. So um, <laughs> he grows a beard later in the show. So it might be okay. It might be salvageable. <laughs> Oh, it's all the beards. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So Mike, what's yours? Um, when I was thinking about this, I, I think most of what I didn't, it's not so much I watched something and didn't like it as a kid so much as wouldn't understand something. Um, and then came to understand it later, which is probably a really common thing. But uh, briefly, I remember watching things that were geared for adults when I was way not an adult yet and things that come to mind are things i had to stay up late for and by late i mean say 10 p.m for on a weeknight to watch arsenio hall oh yeah uh, like that was the coolest thing to me because i knew it was for adults and i didn't fully i didn't know who the guests were i just knew it was something cool that was beyond the scope of my age and i and that's what's cool to kids i think um and I feel like the few times I've been on this show, I find a way to mention pro wrestling every time. And so I might as well keep the streak alive. <laughs> but when, when uh, analysts criticize pro wrestling, uh, in particular WWE, a lot of it has to do with how they try to cater to a really wide audience. And that includes trying to cater to children. And what they don't seem to realize is that kids don't really want to yeah. be catered to in that way. And, with pro wrestling, most people fall in love with it when they're children. And it wasn't because it was aimed at them. It was because it was aimed to entertain adults and they kids think adult things are cool. So they kind of go awry when they try to do really cartoonish things that they think kids will like and that they don't seem to understand exactly what kids think are cool. Um, I had kind of the same thing with Saturday Night Live when I was a little kid, um, staying up at till 1 a.m. on a Saturday to watch jokes about politics that I didn't understand, but I, just that I knew something cool was going on and uh, eventually it would come to me. But my specific thing that I wanted to mention 
which probably is the biggest gap between when I was a kid and now is the movie This Is Spinal Tap. Mm. Um, when I first saw This Is Spinal Tap, I, again, was too young to really know what was going on. So Spinal Tap is satirizing something in, I think it was 1984, that I didn't even know was a thing to be satirized. So I was like taking it in backwards and it, it's kind of making fun of the rock and roll lifestyle, which is something I wasn't familiar with when I first watched Spinal Tap. So the scenes when they were talking, it's all really dry, uh, satirical humor that went over my head. The music they played was not up my alley and I wouldn't have gotten any of the innuendo that is laced heavily throughout the lyrics and I just didn't know what was going on but again it was kind of a thing where I felt like there was something to this and I did have this awareness that it was important somehow but I couldn't wrap my head around it yet and now if you fast forward it's one of the most influential things for me personally that I've ever seen so um yeah I, I watched it at a point where I didn't get it and thankfully now I think I do so Spinal Tap everybody watch it yeah, that's a great one. Lauren, have you seen Spinal Tap? I saw it years and years ago, and I don't really remember much of any. I remember, like, something about the drummer, like, spontaneously combusting <laughs> or something like that. And um, and then, like, Sam, you quoted something about, like, what's wrong with being sexy? And yeah. I remember that, but that's, that's pretty much it. So Yeah, it, you should watch it again. Time you should watch it again that's a that's a good one yeah yeah because i think the first time i saw that as well there was plenty of jokes that went over my head too just like the lifestyle like you're saying that they're satirizing Mm -hmm. guys who are well they're on the decline in their careers but they're kind of in a position of power or they used to be but they're some of the stupidest people you'll ever come across and uh it really it really works well yeah lauren uh fran drescher is in that movie <gasps> i love her Very, i mean she has <laughs> a small fran part drescher. yeah she's in a few scenes yeah it's good oh mm-hmm. man she's awesome i love fran drescher i'll watch anything she's in honestly like i'm a big fan <laughs> i love her <laughs> i think it'd be funny if you if you uh met her in real life and were like or you met everybody from spinal tap and you're like where's fran drescher like she's the star (laughs) of the movie (laughs) you know like i'm like i don't even want to meet you guys i wanted to meet fran hello (laughs) as as an aside if you're if you are in a spinal tap uh the dvd or blu-ray if you dare to get your hands on one of those these days has a commentary track if anybody remembers what commentary tracks are and Mm -hmm. it's it's the three members of the band, but they're, the actors are in character for the entire commentary. And it's almost as good as like the material in the movie. Um, so it's super entertaining. Probably the best commentary I've ever listened to. And it surprisingly isn't as annoying as you might think, because these guys have lived in these characters for so many years that it comes across as natural and funny and not irritating. So yeah, a little extra tidbit. Have you guys ever seen the or listened to the commentary for Fight Club? No. Because <laughs> it's like Edward Norton who's just like, and in this part, blah, 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 blah. And Brad was just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's like the entire commentary. It's like occasionally he's like laughing in the background or maybe like kind of agreeing. But like Edward <laughs> Norton is just going on and on and on. He's too cool. 
it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, the, the commentary on Spinal Tap is good. We Mike recently we watched it together recently and it's it is, it's like a second movie. Is it? That's yeah. awesome. But Christopher Guest, like that whole crew, they're so talented and they're so musical in real life. Like the movie is like built from a standpoint of them just having this talent. So it's mm-hmm. not like people who like learn guitar for a part. It's like right. they built the part because they know guitar almost, I guess. Yeah, Spinal Tap, Spinal Tap was a real band. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've toured, they've opened for real bands, uh, really? quote unquote. And yeah, they're, they're all the real musicians. They play and sing and write all the music. And the, the movie like uh, was largely improvised as well, like all the dialogue. I'm sure they had the bullet points to get through, but uh, the nitty gritty is all improvised, which I was fascinated with uh, for a few years. Huh, yeah. that's pretty cool pretty amazing yeah it's it's awesome like to be at a in a position where you can do like multiple passion projects in one thing is pretty cool like (laughs) that they've been able to do that with multiple movies but yeah no um didn't they do like some i'm i don't remember the name of it like some like country like music like a movie about country music or something like that, right? Yeah, you're, th- you're thinking of A Mighty Wind. Yes, uh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, okay, yeah. And it, it was a, kind of a, a satire on the folk music scene that was big in the, in the 60s and how the people who were in it have aged and come back together for a show. And that's Chris really Gass, right? Yeah, big time. Okay, okay, all right, cool. Yeah, Mike, that's a good pick because I think satire in general when you're young you don't fully catch it all and it only like gets more rich as you get older you know like right. more life experience so, yeah that's like you, that's a good one you need to have experienced the thing being satired to fully take on the satire yeah. yeah yeah that's like the scream movies like i don't think i watched them when i was a kid but as an adult um like i've seen enough horror movies where i'm like these are they're not meant to be like they're they're really meant to be more like satirical like slasher flicks you know but yep. it's my yeah. favorite slasher series so scream mm-hmm. this leads into um some one of the other thing the other pick that i had was the same idea something that i didn't get as a kid and i like mike i like what you said about like kids don't want to be pandered to and it's true like they're like as a kid you're more intrigued by what's next not like like what are the adults liking and my choice my next choice was um have you ever seen the movie christmas vacation either of you yeah um uh i don't know i don't i don't think so i think it's kind of like a it's a christmas staple and it was in my family as well and i always liked it just fine i liked it but there's this one scene in it that i never got fully and it never was funny to me as a kid. And then when I was older, when I was an adult and I finally understood it, it like opened up and I, it's so funny now. And it's Chevy Chase is standing at like a, like a lingerie counter and he's talking to this really beautiful out of his league, very young saleswoman. And she's like, and, and they're talking back and forth and he's super awkward and she talks about Christmas in some way and he says something about the Yule log and he goes, not that I have a log, not that I have a log in the sense that you think I have a log. And, and that like, I never got that as a kid, obviously. And then 
he says like tis the season to be merry and she says well that's my name and he said no shit and just like <laughs> the whole back and forth like the awkward back and forth where he's like like in like intimidated by her beauty and he's trying to be cool but he's just not making it like the tone of that whole scene and i'm not doing it justice here went over my head for years and then i didn't watch it for a long time when i was like a middle teen because i was too cool you know too cool for school and then when i watched it again i laughed so hard in just that interaction that and i thought oh my gosh this is it's like a new movie like i remember being a kid and like my brother would laugh and my dad would laugh and but i i didn't understand not one bit of that interaction so that's, that's the other good. thing i thought of that's good yeah i think there's a lot of i mean of course now right now i can't think of any but oh you know i've been watching sister sister and i never really watched it religiously as a kid but i've been watching a lot now and i think i'm on like the fourth season and um there are several jokes about men having sex with underage girls in that show like way more than there should be and i was just like oh my god ew like and a lot of stuff that really reminded me of the whole like r kelly thing going on because they were like rappers and singers that were talking about like having sex with these underage girls and i was just going oh my god <laughs> like okay that's nope not okay not cool so that's something that i definitely didn't get as a kid yeah it's interesting yeah. also like the not funny things that went over your yeah. head as a kid oh yeah 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 like some of the things i'm just like wow all right okay like geez ugh. it's uncomfortable you know right yeah yeah so, so does anybody have anything else or i have um yeah i have one more okay so um cinderella and i'm not talking specifically about like one movie but kind of in general because i always feel like people were like when i was a kid they were like well cinderella's weak and i'm like but i don't really feel that way because she lost her dad she wants a family and now she's in this home that's being taken over by her like horrible stepmother. And all she wants is just like people to love her. And she's so like desperate for that and doesn't want to leave her own home. But also like, this is what, like the 1500s you're assuming. What other, what, what else is she going to do? Become a prostitute? <laughs> like where is she going to make the money, you know? And so as I've grown older, I, I think I've empathized and identified a lot more with Cinderella as a character. And I definitely don't view her as a weak person. I think that she's a lot stronger than she appears to be. Um, because it's, you know, I mean, someone taking over your life and taking over your home and then suddenly the person that you love more than anyone else in the world is gone. It's like, how do you cope with that? So that's mine. Yeah, it's, I mean, people have said this quite often, but fairy tales are way more heavy than oh yeah you really get as a kid you know oh yeah like they sure. kind of make like the death of a parent seem like they i mean it seems tragic in the fairy tale but it also seems like eh, you know it really <laughs> is like, very heavy yeah like it is <sighs> well and they're you know disney's really um like softened a lot of these you know these movies like snow white the ending of snow white is 
horrific. Like it's like they force these like red hot metal red hot shoes on the evil queen and make her dance until she like walks out in the snow and fucking dies. Like it's not like <laughs> it's like a really brutal ending. And I mean, you know, and and Rapunzel or Tangled, I guess. Tangled is is not even close to the original story at all <laughs> like Rapunzel is like a completely different story from how Disney made it I mean they're they're like literally not even like similar at all other than the fact that she lives in a tower and her name is Rapunzel and has really long hair like that's it <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah it's those German cautionary tales yeah seriously get yeah so you guys want to talk about the movie yeah all right Let's talk about the movie. So, Lauren, you're yes. the only one of the three of us who had who watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I feel like I need to hold back a little bit, but I really disliked it. <laughs> I really really disliked it did you dislike it from the moment it started basically from the moment it started i hated everything about this movie <laughs> Whoa. i i disliked it so much that if we weren't watching it for the podcast i would have turned it off within 15 minutes really i felt like it took years from my life like <laughs> I dislike this movie. <laughs> I feel like I wanted to hold back, but I can't. I can't hold back. I'm sorry, guys, because I'm pretty sure both of you like this movie. But I literally was sitting there like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. When is it going to end? I want to die. What is this going to take so long? I'm like, years of my life are fading. I'm like, the seasons are changing outside. I'm not part of this world anymore. Like... It was the longest hour and 45 minutes of my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Because yeah. I think it has problems, but I don't think it's a terrible movie all the way through. So I thought you would at least, I thought you would at least like the first like two acts. And then I, you um, would. I liked certain aspects of it. I have just like, I liked that. I felt like Christopher Walken and his wife had very organic chemistry Um, and same with his kid. I did like that. And that's, I find that to be like a lot rarer than it should be in films, you know? Yeah. Um, And I actually didn't hate the aliens, but I I just, overall, I was so bored. I was so bored. Hmm. The thing is, I don't think, I don't think you should feel bad because you're not alone in not liking the movie. I did feel really bad. I was like in a really bad mood until we started. Like I was like, I was like, oh no, I hated it, and they both liked it, and I'm just gonna absolutely trash this film. And like, I was just like, I was feeling. Listen, I am from a family. My grandmother was Roman Catholic, and she's Italian, and I have a lot of Italian Roman Catholic guilt, and I wasn't raised Catholic, but it's in there. It's in my blood, so I'm guilty. For, I feel guilty for everything. <laughs> <laughs> like it it turns night like too too you know soon and i'm like oh my god i feel i feel bad about this why do i feel bad <laughs> like it's just everything so it's feeling a lot of guilt 
spilling out of guilt before we started. Don't feel guilty. Mike, when was the first time you saw this movie? Because Mike obviously introduced it to me, and then Mike suggested it for the podcast. Right. But when did you first see this movie, Mike? Did you, like, see it randomly on – did you rent it, or was it – did you see it in like you didn't see it in theaters because I think you would have been too young but no it, it came out in 1989 and I saw it maybe for the first time maybe 20 years ago um wait I thought it was 1985 was... oh 1989 never mind it takes place in 1985 okay yeah, yeah. So, yeah. If, <laughs> if I remember who was older than me but we had like we shared tastes in like uh, the odd and in music and things and I believe this came as a recommendation from him uh and I watched it then and I don't remember being blown away by it um I'm not blown away by it now so I don't mean to give that impression uh but something about it like stuck with me in that I owned it on video cassette back then and then I've come to own it on DVD and I've for whatever reason rewatch it periodically and so something about it really sticks with me and I'm drawn to it I don't know and yeah for this show well I watched it three weeks ago and it wasn't with the intent of talking about it on a podcast, but I have seen it multiple times. So uh, just bear that in mind, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I like it. In fact, yeah, Samantha mentioned the first two acts I don't, that might line up. I don't, it's hard for me to think about it completely in acts, but um, that might be one of its problems. But <laughs> if, if you remember the second up to I think it's the second hypnosis session I actually think it's an awesome like th- psychological thriller kind of movie and then it completely goes off the fucking rails and into something like indistinguishable and uh, that's its big problem I think but yeah that's kind of when I first saw it and my overview of it um well, <laughs> that's so what you were like a teen or something when you saw it or like early 20s or whatever? Yeah, maybe 18, 20. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Well, Sam, what did you think about it? Well, I, I really like, as I said, the first two acts because I think it's very creepy and I think I agree with what Mike said. I I didn't put this phrasing in my head, but it makes perfect sense that it's a psychological thriller. So I like right. that about it. And I um, I think it's the main downfall. I think as I was watching it this time, because I've only seen it twice. Like I didn't even know it existed before I met Mike. I didn't either. I, I didn't never know, even. Heard I of never it. knew the movie was even a thing. So I've only seen it twice. Like so, this this last time was only the second time I've seen it. And I think now, or or as I was watching it this time, I was sort of like recreating it in my head and how I could, how the movie could finish strong. And I think where it really mainly falls flat for me is just they show the villain and it's obviously like fake aliens. Right. And I like, like there's a scene, we'll get to it, but just to 
paint the picture. Like you see the alien peek around the corner and you just see the eyes. I think that's really good. That's really spooky. But then like then they just like get crazy about showing the aliens and they show the aliens and they show the aliens and and it, that just takes away from the spookiness for me and it becomes like what is happening? Like literally like I don't understand some of the ending you know like there's things that happen in the end that i just don't, don't make sense to me no and same here and i think that but like the first two-thirds of the movie i think are like there's some pretty spooky parts and i really like christopher walken's performance and i totally agree with you that i really like their family unit because it's very realistic and the little kid the little kid is visited by aliens, but he's not one of those kids that, like, sees into the void, you know? Oh, yeah. Or, like, and, sees the future. Like, yeah. I hate those ones where they're, like, yeah, like, they're, like, almost prophetic. They're, like, so-and-so doesn't like you to do that. And you're, like, who the fuck is so-and-so, kid? Who are you talking to outside of me? Like, I, I go everywhere with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he, yeah. Goes about, he goes about questioning what's happening with a childlike sense of awe like he's laying in bed with his mom he's like does god exist and it's because it's not because he's having these like religious thoughts it's because he's trying to explain these things that he's and it's like the way a little kid might try to like rationalize it or like in other parts in the movie when he's like it might not be a spider that i saw you know like so we'll get there i think we should start at the beginning but so i think that there's like pretty awesome things that happen in this movie because i think it's easy to go overboard with an alien movie right away and i don't think this movie does it right away but then it gets there you know eventually it does go overboard i think can i give a brief overview oh yeah sure well, just... wait, wait can i can i say one more thing um because that's relevant to what sam was saying um <laughs> you're saying that you didn't so much like the aliens but i actually wish there was more of them Whoa. So, like, I wish there was, like, a lot more of them. Like, it was, like, 80% of the movie. Oh, like, really? I, yeah. They were kitschy and kind of fun and, like, you know, like, weird, but, like, in a, you know, a fun, like, 80s way. And I, I liked the aliens. Talk and about then, looking like Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, were you yeah. attracted to the aliens? No, I'm not attracted Just to the kidding. aliens. <laughs> Interesting. Once again, we differ so much yes yes very much yep yes we do (laughs) anyway mike are you saying an overview go ahead yeah just the movie is about whitley streber who is an author who lives in new york city and he's struggling with his work and then he begins to have these weird visions or hallucinations or something about uh, creatures that come and get him and this he kind of unravels and the family kind of unravels around him as he tries to figure out what this is. And Whitley Strieber is a real person who is a real author. He wrote science fiction books before writing communion, which kind of uh, makes, if you're skeptical at all, the whole thing seem absolutely fishy, <laughs> but uh, and this is what happens so many times with stories of the supernatural is that they come from super creative types who even uh, wrote fiction before telling allegedly true stories so uh, just bear all that in mind I guess but that's yeah that's what the movie is about and who the movie is about so I have a question for you guys when you hear like these true stories or these true accounts or whatever of people getting abducted do you 
really think like alien abduction is a real thing. What do you think of it? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I believe I believe in the likelihood of extraterrestrial life, even intelligent life, but I don't think they've been anywhere near Earth, and I don't think anyone on Earth has interacted with them. That's I feel the same way. That I'm like, mm, I think it's like, I feel like the people who usually do it are, and I'm not trying to like be. I don't really know how to say this, but they always kind of seem to be like a certain type of person who gets abducted. Like they're always from the country or they're maybe not that educated. And it's just like, I can't tell if it's like they're trying to get attention or what, but every time I hear this, I'm just like, man, like uh, that seems really bullshitty and like not true. And I've I've never been on board with the idea of alien abduction being like a real thing. I don't I, I feel kinda like if they're gonna go to any planet and abduct any sort of being, why humans? We suck. We kill each other. Like we are like we hate each other. Like why would they want to research a bunch of people that are just like like I mean, we hate each other. You know, like it, it's so to me it's very odd. But anyway, Sam, what do you think? Hold one sec. I was going to say, for what it's worth, I, I'm weirdly fascinated with the topic anyway, in spite of what I think has happened or hasn't happened. And especially when I was a kid, I was super fascinated with alien abduction. And uh, that's probably why I was drawn to this movie at a young age as well. But all that aside, it doesn't matter that I don't think it happens, that I still think this is a cool movie, a depiction about something happening to a guy that he can't explain. And that's kind of how I look at it. I don't really think about it as a big alien abduction movie. And in fact, Whitley Strieber doesn't talk about them in the sense of being aliens. He refers to them as visitors and something that he just doesn't understand. But he doesn't tell it like a story about extraterrestrials it's just some phenomenon that he claims to have dealt with his whole life so i don't um the what i think about alien abduction doesn't impact what how i think the movie functions just as being creepy and mysterious in the first two-thirds anyway right have you have you ever seen the fourth have you ever seen the fourth kind either of you it's with um mila jovovich Jovovich, whatever. Uh, no, um, I don't think I have. That one's about alien abduction. And when I saw it, and I don't know if I would feel the same way seeing it again, because obviously like hereditary, which I was terrified by. And then I watched it again. And I was like, it's okay. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? And I was like rewatching it and I was talking to you. Yeah. And I was like, it's not that scary. And you were like, wow, what a 180. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what happened. But um when I first saw it, the fourth kind that was about alien abduction and that movie, like, I thought that movie was really freaky. I really want to see it again. I'm pretty sure I have seen it. I just pulled it up to see like some imagery from it and, but it was only once and it was years ago. So I don't remember it, but I bet it, I would be amused with it. I would recommend that one. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen it. I think I vaguely remember it coming out. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever ever watched it. And as for alien abductions, I also don't think they exist. But I do think that things 
I think that things happen to people that people can't explain. And I like that exploration, as Mike said, where something like, I like the idea of something happening to some, like a real person, like, 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 let's say we meet a person who says they were abducted by aliens. I like the idea of something really happening to this person that they have in their memory that they can't explain. And so they rationalize it almost by saying they were abducted or whatever. And I like that us around them don't believe it because we weren't there. And I think that that's an interesting, um, I don't know, juxtaposition or position to be in where you know, you know, you know that something weird happened, but you can't make the people around you believe it because it's so bizarre. And I think that's really interesting. And I like that about, that's something I like about the movie is that he knows that something weird happened and he's not, he doesn't know what it is. And he feels like he's going crazy and his family is sort of like cracking a little bit because of it. So I think that's interesting that people claim alien abduction and if it's just for attention then yeah nothing weird probably happened but if something weird did happen in somebody's past and they can't explain it i think that's interesting yeah i was i was gonna say that pretty much everybody experiences something that they can't explain and then it it's all down to that individual for how they react to it and for some people it's a shrug and uh that was weird i don't know what that was and they move on other people jump to extraordinary conclusions from things that don't have extraordinary evidence and it has everything to do with like maybe how they were brought up or what they believe in uh with things that there's no proof for um things that they have faith in and yeah it's all about people's reactions to things they can't explain and that's part of something i like about this movie is that uh whitley the character christopher walken approaches it skeptically and he's he's scared but he wants to kind of get to the bottom of it and he doesn't jump to any extraordinary conclusions and if anything he kind of hides it and keeps it to himself at first because he doesn't he thinks it's too weird to like bring anyone's attention you know yeah yeah and also there's something that I've thought of like often throughout the years is that like, why do we think that like if alien, like aliens, let's say aliens exist somewhere in the galaxy, somewhere in the universe. Like, why are we so assumptive that their technology is like greater than ours? Like we yeah, aren't I've going that we, too. Yeah. Like we aren't going to other planets and abducting those creatures. So why would aliens be coming here? Like we just assume that they're like light years beyond us and they've like reached this like, peace where they don't fight with each other and they're just studying but maybe they're like cave people you know what i mean like maybe we become the aliens to them when we discover a world with life on it you know and i think for some reason we always see ourselves as like the weakest in the universe but we really like have no proof either way that aliens are if they exist that they're more advanced or less advanced than us so i think that's kind of fun to think about like we go to a planet and they freak out because we're the aliens, you know? Well, like. yeah, the thing is, if any story is told about aliens, it's that's set in, you know, contemporary times. I don't mean like a science fiction movie right. like Star Trek or something. That it has to be that they're more advanced than we are because they came here. 
we can't get past the moon right now. Yeah, yeah. So if they're here, they are more advanced than us because they figured out a way to traverse the stars in a way that we can't. Uh, so that's just how it has to be if you're going to tell a story like that. Well, my question is too is, why are we so presumptuous to think that in all of the planets in the entire universe, why do they always come to ours? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what makes us so fucking special? It's what makes we us have water. so interesting? What? What you say? It's because we have water. <laughs> like, so like, fucking interesting. Even the aliens and signs couldn't resist the Earth, and they can't uh, even live in water. <laughs> <laughs> like, 75 percent water and they're like they're like oh water now you know um watching the aliens and signs deal with water is like watching my cat get his pa his paws wet he's like no i did not like that <laughs> they're just cats they're cat aliens so okay so we should get into the movie so the movie opens up and were you excited to learn that the score was done by eric clapton <laughs> i um I think I, I think I knew that going in. How'd you um, know that? Because of when I was doing like oh. the Instagram stuff, it like it came up. Yeah. Um, it did sound a little Clapton-y for sure. Like oh. the, the like guitar and, like, and everything. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was so, it was so 80s sounding, which yes. is, you know, appropriate for that time. Um, but yeah, no, I knew, I knew that going in. So it wasn't like a big surprise or anything yeah, yeah I, I think it's a weird anomaly that clapton had anything to do with this movie i was <laughs> I joking with that. some i was joking with samantha that i would bet a hundred dollars he doesn't remember having any involvement with this movie or <laughs> writing and, and recording this music i it lauren's right it is distinctively clapton like if you if you listen to classic rock you would probably recognize the guitar sound alone yeah it's very clapton-esque and uh I think if any, I don't think it's anything that special apart from that. And I, if anything, I, it dates it. Like Lauren said, it's a weird decision for a movie. And I think it only would have happened in the late eighties. Well, and it doesn't seem like anything, like what you said, it doesn't like Eric Clapton is such a talented guitarist. It doesn't seem like there's anything really special about it. There's nothing really like, you know, I don't, it wasn't like I heard one of the songs and I like quite a few of his, you know, I like his music. So um, it's not like I heard one of the songs and I was like, wow, this is a great song. You know, I was kind of just like, this is really basic. Like there's nothing exciting. It doesn't thrill me. I mean, obviously you guys know how I feel about the film. So in general, I kind of felt that way, but it's, it's still for it being like, it's okay. You know what? It's like, it's like when, Elton John did the music for The Lion King, which was like an, um, like an amazing soundtrack. And then he did the music for El Dorado. And El Dorado was like a wet fart. It was horrible. Like the music was just so basic and so bad. And I think I recorded like a couple of scenes, like the music that was playing and I sent them to Sam and I was like, it's just so terrible. Like the lyrics are awful. It's like, it's like going on a road and we're friends and friendship. And I was just like, what are you doing, John? What, what's going on here? Like, what's up? It was, it was just like, so mediocre like he phoned it in he was like you know what i did the lion king and that was amazing and i'm just i don't know just 
have someone else do it and I'll just take credit for it or something like that. Yeah, you did send me some clips and they seemed pretty lame. Even, I mean, like, an Elton John, just the songwriting career he's had, I wouldn't think that he could create music that lame. But no, for communion, I also, I don't particularly like the score because if somebody like blindfolded me and said, we're going to start a movie and we want you to tell us what decade this movie was made, I would have no problem. Well, I might say like 90s because it's like 89, so it's like right on the cusp, but I would have no problem knowing that it is not... It's not a 70s movie. It's not a 2000s movie. It's very, very definitively right in like 1989, 1990 area. And it's, I don't particularly care for just like the, just, you know, it It felt to me like the, the, the crew, the filmmakers wanted to just attach Clapton's name to this for some reason to think that it'll give us some cred credibility or I don't know what and Clapton they've probably flashed some money and Clapton said okay I guess and it turned something out and here it is and yeah he played a couple chords and they were like brilliant They're like this is beautiful this is the best thing I've ever heard and he's like oh I, I wasn't even getting started I was yeah. just tuning up <laughs> I was just testing them testing the the amps or whatever so the movie opens up New York City and you see like Christopher Walken wake up in the middle of the night and he's like something's in the room and then he sort of like goes back to sleep and I guess I'm like I'm wondering if one of my, one of my first questions is are they implying that the aliens have visited him before we see the visit at the cottage and he just like like the big visit happens when he's at the cottage or what's the like that opening scene is that do you well, think like a past scene or like i mean that the end kind of answers that question yeah i think it's been yeah involved with him his whole life yeah that's what the, the end since says. he was since he was a child oh yeah okay and it was yes, it, like right. it affected his dad and it's like gonna affect his kid yeah yeah okay that makes sense so so he wakes up from like this nightmare and then the movie goes on and it's like the next day and he's writing you, you learn he's like writing something and him and his wife they have a little kid and they live in new york and they have a pretty idyllic life and They're very cute i loved their relationship it was very it felt very authentic you know like um i don't know if you guys have seen the first the the omen that with um uh gregory peck no. But he and, and the woman that played his wife, I, I think it was like Lee Remenick or something. She and him have like phenomenal chemistry. Like they, you feel like they've been married for years. Like they, they're just very comfortable around each other. But then they remade it and it was with Lee Schreiber and Julie, um, Julia, um, God, what the hell is her name? Styles. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Julia yeah. Styles. And their chemistry was so painfully awkward. Well, first of all, the remake was terrible anyway they shouldn't have remade it the original is such a great film um but their chemistry is so awkward and painful that you're just like this is worse than the actual like story like it's just like it's just bad you know so yeah uh, i so, really like that christopher walken and his wife had yeah very, Lindsay kraus is the actress i just looked it up so yeah she it, it's it, it felt very natural and i can appreciate the hell out of that because sometimes it, it's it's almost more painful to watch these two people interact and like, and you're like, you're like, am I being convinced that they've been together for a while? Because I don't feel it that way. But with this, I, 
I it very much felt like they'd been together for a while and they cared about each other. Yeah. And there's a scene where they're like, there's a very brief scene at the beginning where they're walking down the street in New York and their little boy is just sort of like in his own little world and the He's two of so them. Cute. And it's, I just, it just seemed very like realistically familial. Yeah. I made a note about that because um, this is one of my favorite, I, I'm so tired of like child actors in movies and you, you guys kind of touched on this already where they're super serious and they speak with wisdom way beyond their years. This totally doesn't happen in communion. And this kid is allowed to behave like a little kid. And like Samantha said, he's like bouncing around in his own little world. He's distracted. He's not really concerned with what the adults are doing. Um, there are scenes where the kid is like talking to nobody in particular in the background and just like kids do it wasn't anything integral to the scene and I really like it it felt realistic and he was likable and I don't care for most children in movies especially when they play a part in the movie like this one does no I agree with that I tend to not I tend to not like um, movies that have to do with like babies and like young kids just because it's like either they're screaming the whole time and it's like really annoying and I'm like okay I don't like I don't need that why would I like I'm not entertained by a child screaming the entire movie like the Babadook was like that it was just like this is awful um but uh I I liked him a lot I like the kid I thought he was a cute kid he was a good he was a good actor a casting choice yeah so the movie when the movie opens up on like their apartment christopher walken is like cooking something and he leaves it in the oven too long and it starts smoking duck he's cooking duck, duck. he's cooking duck and so they're all sort of like there's chaos happening in the scene but they're all like really happy still like <laughs> you know it's stressful but it's and and he's like oh i left it in too long and the little kid is like like oh mike pointed this out to me i didn't catch it but he was like do we get to use the fire escape which <laughs> i didn't get i didn't either. notice it but i well, if by the way the smoke sets off the fire alarm and the fire department shows up and so there's smoke in the kitchen the alarm is going off and these firefighters show up in full garb at their door <laughs> and it is that's why it's so chaotic and the kid is excited about it he's bouncing around and he wants to use the fire escape because they live in an apartment building and it's it, it's a really I think of an honestly comedic scene, <laughs> like the, how the, the firefighters are fed up with. They've been to this apartment more than once because of this, and w walk in is protesting like this equipment is so sensitive, you know. <laughs> and they they tell him about the fine, which is what a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars, and the wife is like, oh no, <laughs> uh, because they're obviously affluent and they're kind of laughing about this these angry firefighters i don't know it's a i think it's a fun scene well and I'm, like who keeps letting christopher walk and cook if if this is like keeps happening like, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like eventually it's gonna go too far and he's gonna like burn down the apartment so just saying like maybe get takeout from now on or something you know <laughs> i like it because i like that he's like they established that he's kind of like aloof he's a writer he's a creative type but he's kind of like stuck in his own head for yeah. everything not just the abduction everything he's like stuck in his own head he can't even cook like he can't even keep his eye on an oven timer you know right. and i like that and i like so they're two friends they have two adult friends that come because they're all going to be going to their cabin mm -hmm. in the country and i like that their friends show up in this chaos and i really like 
that's like the wife's performance when she when she like scoffs at the fine and everyone's laughing it's just it's a really nice scene because it juxtaposes really nicely for what happens to their family as the movie goes on Mm -hmm. and so I think that's good too and like Christopher Walken Whitley he can't like he doesn't know how to turn off the alarm before it contacts the fire department so he's like struggling with it and he can't get the code (laughs) and then the fire department shows up and like Mike said and I just yeah like the chaos but it's also like it's like fun chaos and and I think it's done really well because it's very realistic well and he's like he's like what's the code is it like six 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 three or something and she's like no it's our anniversary and so it's like (laughs) yeah the code is like completely way out of the like what it even it's not even close to what you know it really is and it's just like and he keeps repeating and he's like what is it what is the code and she's like oh my god Yeah, so so it's good. And then, so anyway, so then the movie progresses and they are driving. They take their two friends. And one of them is Alex. And I'm looking at the cast list. The woman doesn't have a name here on the cast list. But so the man, it's like another couple. And they go to the country. Sarah? Sarah, yes. Sarah, yeah. So Alex and Sarah and Whitley and his wife, Anne, I guess. And then Andrew was the little boy. That's what the cast list says. So, So they're driving to the country and they get to their cabin and the same thing happens like the alarm system is going off and Whitley can't he doesn't know how to turn that off either and it's like lights like bright lights are on and there's like uh, an alarm going and so his wife has to take care of that alarm as well which also amused me like he can't like everything (laughs) he's just hands off basically and then they get like then there's a scene where it starts getting kind of creepy when the little boy goes into the room that he that it's his room and he goes there and it's dark and he said and he like he goes dad like he knows there's something else in the room but he can't quite place it and i think that's creepy like i i think that's pretty creepy and cool because he's says dad and they're all in the other room and they're making noise and he says dad again and then he yells it and they come in and he's like it's a spider and i don't like like focusing on the spider like they really show the spider and i don't like that but i like that it probably after they leave like they they goof around and they and and um after they leave he says well it may not be just a spider i saw which was like it's spooky that didn't like spook you at all um no <laughs> not, not even not even a little bit <laughs> like it was it was more what like when they revealed it was a I mean okay so like at first I was like oh something's gonna happen in here but then they're like it was a spider and I was like that's what he was so like weirded out by is like a, a spider and I'm like and wasn't the room kind of dark so how did he even see that little thing you right, know exactly because it wasn't just a spider right <laughs> Yeah, no, I no, no, I didn't. That's what I, I take didn't from really it. Find that scene scary at all. I, I take it as something weird that the kid saw or felt in the room, and I I don't take it as literally a spider. But they the the adults come in and kind of break up the creepiness. And I just want to say my favorite line from the scene is Christopher Walken saying, "It's in your pants." So he. <laughs> referring to the spider because he picked it up and then he just tells the kid it's in his pants and the kid goes bonkers and jumps on his bed and 
it's a uh, pretty good. It's cute. The really, yeah, the relationship between the parents and the child again, like being really well done. But there's also something else that happened in that scene that I liked, and I I feel like I didn't, I wouldn't have picked up on it the first time I saw it because I didn't know what was coming. But this time I picked up on it, and it's like Christopher Walken almost knew what the kid was really experiencing but up to this point and even a little while after this they they're not able to put it into words even and he said like he comes in the room and he's like you know you see something and then you leave the room and you come back and it's usually gone and that phrase could be said of a spider but i think he was meaning it like you know you come in here and you felt something weird you thought you saw something weird and that happens to me too but i ignore it i go to the other room and i come back and it's it's gone. And, and I, I thought that was interesting. And then as they were leaving the room, Christopher Walken says, I'm just, I'm glad I'm not sleeping in here tonight. And I thought also, yeah, you could say that about a spider because you're talking to a little kid who doesn't understand. But I also think subtext, there's subtext in that, that he like, I guess like we've confirmed that he's had these experiences multiple times and so he knows something weird is happening and he can sort of see that his son is picking up on it, but he's trying to rationalize it for him and himself. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. yeah. Cause I think up to that point, whatever he's experienced, it doesn't exist at all clearly like in his conscious memory, but he seems to have experienced something like waking up from nightmares and he's bothered by this I think but so far has been dismissive of it Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's pretty interesting and then so then they all go to bed and I it's kind of a nice like once again a nice scene between him and his wife like you know like talking in bed and laughing and making fun of the other couple and he's like Christopher Walken is like, what do you think he's doing in there? He's probably giving him, giving her like the speech about the wolves, and then it goes. And the guy, <laughs> Alex, is like, oh, so wolves, and he's talking about wolves, and the woman Sarah's like, there's no wolves here. It's New York State, and he's like, the ghosts of the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a big Romanian guy, wasn't he? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I thought he was kind of funny. The ghost, the ghost of the wolves. (laughs) (laughs) And there's just like really sweet moments between Whitley and his wife. But then they go to sleep and the and and then the lights like start coming on of the alarm and like weird stuff starts happening and like very bright lights outside. And Whitley wakes up. And the other two wake up in their room because they see the really bright light outside. And I thought that was really interesting because I thought it was really spooky because they didn't show anything. Like every scene, the first time I saw it, every scene I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to show something now. Now? Now? No. And it wasn't. And that scared me because I'm a little bit jumpy. But if you're like Lauren and you're used to scary movies, maybe it didn't scare you it seems like (laughs) no it nothing about this movie i was never like i was never on edge or scared or spooked out at any point in time i was just like okay (laughs) so yeah no i i didn't find this movie to be uh, like as scary at all i i really didn't at all 
So I, I can see if you if you don't find this movie scary at all or creepy or something along those lines, then for me that wouldn't leave much left uh, to it. So I think that's why you probably feel the way you do because that that's exactly what I take away from most of the movie. I love all the scenes at the cabin pretty much um the visuals that they have the way they shot like the exterior of the cabin with a rising or a dropping like wide angle camera and the lights and the lights coming in the the windows and they do these well i don't want to jump ahead because i have some specifics i want to mention about the visuals but maybe it'll make sense as you take us a little further i'd like so so this weird stuff is happening and Christopher Walken sees the alien like peek around the door, but that's all you see. And that's still kind of creepy because he's like something there. And oh, and then like, sorry, I think the alien does come into his room and like poke something into his forehead, like a light beam into his forehead for a second mm-hmm. or that yeah. happens in that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he hears this kid screaming and I love this. He goes to his kid's room and he's well, like, he, like just... brushes the alien away he's like don't touch me or something like that yeah. yeah yeah and then he goes to the kid's room and he's like you just having a nightmare you gotta shake it off and he like picks him up and shakes him <laughs> and it's so cute and i love it and he's like you just gotta shake it off and then he lays down in bed with him and the kid was like no the aliens had me because the aliens were like dragging his bed yeah and he's yeah. like no nightmares can feel real sometimes and i I thought that was interesting. Like he's maybe trying to convince both of them that nightmares can feel real sometimes. So like, I feel like if I had seen this movie when I was a kid, this movie would have freaked me out. But as an adult, I I mean, I've, first of all, I've, I've seen so many horror films, so it does take a lot to get me really scared. Um, And it it just, I I don't know. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it just didn't you know it's in and like what mike said i could see how maybe if it had like spooked me out a little bit i might like it more but because it didn't i just i was like okay all right let's just keep going with this you know yeah i liked i liked the next morning as well so the next morning they're all eating breakfast and the wife and nothing she didn't wake up or anything so she's not freaked out but Alex and Sarah are like, it was, there was a lot of lights last night. And Whitley knows something weird was happening. And he's sort of like making fun of the kid, like teasing the kid, trying to like ease it off. Like, oh, he had a nightmare. And he's like, we all had the same dream. We all had the same nightmare. It's, you know, maybe an animal went by and the alarm came off. And they were like, no, there was some weird lights. It was weird last night. And I really like the way Whitley's trying so hard to rationalize what he knows he can't rationalize. And at this point, it's not just himself that he has to convince. Cause like, you know, if, if something weird happens and you only have to convince yourself, you can convince yourself. But if you have to convince other people, it becomes like almost impossible, you know? So he's trying so hard to be like, no, that's, it was fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. And, the alarm system is very touchy and maybe we all just had a nightmare. And then his friend Alex was like, no, I want to leave. Like it yeah. was scary last night. Cause they can't be convinced. Like something weird happened and he might be used to convincing himself cause he's had it his whole life, but they have not. And I, I really, really like that. Well, I think it's like 
when something yeah like what you said like when something follows you your whole life it's easy easy to just be like you know it's just one of those things but this is the first time happening to you and this extremely bright light is coming through which he was trying to tell them was the moon and it's like (laughs) obviously not the moon you know the moon doesn't give off that level of brightness but he says it like three times he's like no 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 then it was the moon or it was the the you know the lights of the um alarm system right no it was definitely the moon and they're just like uh no like have you seen the moon <laughs> like, it's like have, do you know what the moon looks like dude because it doesn't look like that it's not that bright um i actually kind of thought that alex was being a little rude with wanting to go home because it kind of cut everyone's vacation short and i was just like annoyed like i was like you can't just like get over the lights you can't just like sleep here another night alex but um well, I think that I think it my feelings are a little skewed on that. So I think that it wasn't the lights. Like the lights were for our benefit, but I think the subtext is some really creepy, weird stuff happened, and he can't. And I think it's interesting that a grown man, a tough, grown Eastern European man, is so scared about something that happened overnight that he doesn't even want to stay there anymore, I think is really cool. Yeah. And I really like the little kid who's like so bold. He goes, give me a break. Are you kidding me? (laughs) When they want to leave. (laughs) And I just, I, I like that. I really like, like, yeah, the lights in themselves sure they probably wouldn't be scary but i think you have to look de- i think you have to read between the lines that something really scary happened well i wonder if i'm wondering if alex and sarah actually saw an alien you know mm-hmm. or if he maybe he just did or something because they were clearly like outside with like moving the the bed or whatever i don't know like but um it makes me wonder if if they had seen something too you know, and he's trying to like justify it, but he's too freaked out too. Cause how do you justify a weird looking creature in your room suddenly that just disappears, you know? So I don't know. And I don't think whatever any of them saw or didn't see, I don't think it's um, obvious to any of them yet. Even Whitley's character or Walken's character, um, we see what he experienced in the moment. But then I think come the next morning, it's faded away, like in a, in the way that a dream might, you know, if you ever wake up from a dream and it's pretty vivid and then come like lunchtime, you can hardly remember the dream. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're super fleeting. Um, and I feel like that's what th- the experience they had overnight was like, um, akin to a, a bad, bad dream, but something more than that, because they were afraid of it and you're not they're not afraid of dreams and it made uh alex in particular really uncomfortable and i do like like the juxtaposition of how they were all dealing with it differently it's like the kid had a nightmare but he's shrugging it off now in the morning and whitley um thinks something happened too but he's trying still to dismiss it as the moon or whatever and trying to do the same for the others and meanwhile alex is scared shitless and he needs to get back into the city yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, I'm thinking about this and I'm wondering if alien technology is so far advanced that they can come all the way to Earth, why how come 
in these stories no one ever like has their memory erased of the event you know what i mean like it seems like that wouldn't be something that they would want people to remember you know like yeah i guess maybe that's why it mimics like mike said like a dream almost right but yeah, yeah it's it's not it seems like if i'm going to entertain this idea that it's happening it's like the it, the technology just isn't quite there. It's not perfect, you know. There's there's traces left behind, and that's just the best they can work with, I guess. <laughs> and the mind is probably more complex than sp space travel is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So every time I have a weird dream, it was aliens. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm willing to accept that <laughs> as an <laughs> explanation. <laughs> So they go back to the city and everything's just sort of like skewed a little bit. And like Whitley has had this encounter and he can't shake it. So it's sort of, it's starting to bleed into like, it's bleeding into his life way more than it ever has before. And so she, it, it opens up and they're in their apartment and he's working and the mom is like, we're going to this Halloween party, get your costume on. And she implies that the little boy had a hard time at school, like something set him off, but she's like, he won't talk to me because I'm a girl. So you have to go trick-or-treating with him. And I thought that was cute. Like he's also having problems because of, I think like remnants of what happened at the cabin. Um, so they go to this Halloween party and something I really liked about the party is that everything is slightly grotesque. Like yeah. they show a cake being cut, but the cake doesn't really look tasty because it's sort of like bends in on itself when they pull the piece out and there's like extreme close-ups of like the hostess sort of yelling and everything at the party is off-putting it doesn't seem like a very fun party and I like that because I think that shows us sort of how Whitley is seeing the world just like one turnover from normal like he's like just a little bit cocked sideways because of what happened well, and there's, like, for some reason, like, 10 adults and, like, 400 children. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so many kids at this party and, like, not enough adults. And I'm like, where did they get all these children from? I mean, it's like every child in the building came to this party to go run around um, this apartment, which is, like, I was looking at the hallway and I was like, wow, this is a really nice place. Yeah. It's um, I think the implication was that, like, it's probably the kids from the building and the adults maybe, like, are in the apartments to hand out candy. Yeah, I think something. so, too. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it's just, I was just like, wow, there's so many kids. It's so different. I mean, city trick-or-treating must be so different from like the trick-or-treating that we used to do as kids like in the suburban yeah i thought area. it looked pretty fun like yeah i used to get i used to get mad as a kid because my mom would make me put my coat on over my costume and i'd be <laughs> like what's the friggin point mom i wouldn't say friggin but like like there's no point in dressing up if you're gonna make me wear this big coat because it's cold out so kids in new york they didn't have to do that because they were just in hallways you know yeah that's true i know yeah. no the same thing it's like like I love, I love seeing little kids dressed up in their, in their costumes. I think it's, they're so freaking cute and I love seeing them. So I love passing out candy, um, on, on Halloween. It's like one of my favorite things to do because I think it's adorable. Like it just lights, it like makes me happy, you know? Um, 
and but some of them have the their like little coats on because I love seeing their little costumes because some people are really creative and then others are kind of just you know like oh I'm you know like a princess and I'm like of course you are uh, but you're you're totally right about that it's just it's like you're like what's the point what's what's the point of wearing (laughs) this costume because it's just covered up by like excuse me what no I don't want to wear my coat mom yeah so I like this is my actually like my favorite part my favorite scene in the movie is when they're when he's trick-or-treating with the little boy with his son and they're walking down the hallway and the red light and the jack-o'-lantern is at the end of the hallway yeah and I think that's I mean, once again, I thought that was really spooky because as they're walking down the hallway, like he's getting more uneasy, which an adult wouldn't get uneasy, you know, but because of what he experienced, he is getting uneasy. And then the girl comes up, somebody comes out in like an insect costume and he freaks out. And I love how pissed off the adults get at him. Like, (laughs) like. Nobody, nobody at the party gives him any grace. Like nobody's like, okay, he was startled. They are all so mad at him because he's like, get out of here, get out of here. And then the girl like cries because she takes her mask off and, and they're like, why would you do that to a 12 year old girl? And they just immediately pounce on him. And I think that's funny because I feel like, like rationally, I might say, you guys, he was just startled. It's all right. But instead, right. everyone's just like immediately mad at him. But I really like how spooky it is. Actually, I agree with you on that. I think that part is a little spooky um, with like the fog machine and everything and like the only light is that red light. Um, But (laughs) I like how he's just like, leave me alone. Don't come near me again. Stop, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's, and, and he has to convince his wife that he's like, no, I was really scared. And she's like, and she's finally starting to like understand like, oh, it wasn't because you were being a jerk. Like you were genuinely frightened by, you know, this girl's creepy mask or whatever. But, but, but I don't think she gets it still. Um, I, I really like the argument that they have after that because she, when they get home and they're alone, she kind of pulls him aside and says like, what, what was all that about? And he's says, I got scared, you know? And she says, by a child in a mask. And he says something like, it was like I'd seen it before, but real. And I love that line because it's it's so creepy to me. Because again, it's like he's got this dream packed away in his head somewhere that he can't bring to the surface. But something triggered it. And it scared the hell out of him momentarily. And that idea is really cool to me that there's something buried beneath the surface and it's not there and he can't put his finger on it but once in a while something brings it up and it makes him react very strongly and I love how incredulous his wife is and they're kind of at an impasse um, and Whitley kind of just gives up and says you know what if you don't mention it again I won't either and again he just kind of wants to bury it and push it behind him yeah I like that as well I think that's interesting and I actually like that was you actually kind of answered a question that I was gonna say is 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 she because there's a little bit of a thread like I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit we can jump back but like the second time they go to the cabin her eyes are open like she wakes up briefly when the aliens are there and so I'm wondering like is she so mad at him earlier now we're back on Halloween like is she so mad at him because 
she also feels something happened because she her eyes weren't open this this time this time she slept through it presumably but so is there something in her that is uneasy about it or is she just uneasy because he's suddenly not acting the same like their whole dynamic is off because he's like something's going on with him and that's making her uncomfortable or i think it's that okay yeah i think think so too i think his she sees him changing and um i mentioned that at the beginning he's he's struggling with his work so he he has frustrations about like writer's block that he kind of takes out on her a little bit and this party was like a debacle um i don't think (laughs) sam thinks it's funny because she's a depraved individual but i don't think the scene where the adults are mad at him is played for comedy i think it's to to pile into like the unraveling of his family because of this commotion that he caused uh, with with a child and uh so yeah in i think she's like in the clear and she's the voice of reason basically and she doesn't know what the what the hell he's and she has a line in that little discussion or argument that i don't fully understand i think she says you think i don't know what you do and I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if it means like you're a fiction writer or you, you're like, a, you have a sick idea of a prank or what. Yeah, I didn't understand that line either. That's why part of their argument kind of made me question like what, what, what she was, if she was upset at more than just like his changing or not. Cause yeah, I think it was probably kind of just like a mixture. It's, it's like, you know when when a stressor happens in your life and you're like okay i can handle this stressor but then like more stuff gets added and soon you're just like i'm at my breaking point and i can't handle this anymore um i think with her it's probably kind of just like layer after layer after layer of all these stressors that are adding up and then suddenly this this guy who you know she's been married to for years and years is behaving really weirdly and like is talking about how he's having all these like you know like seeing things and stuff that aren't there and she doesn't understand it. And so, you know, you can, I mean, you, you can understand her, her frustration with the situation and not that I think that she particularly handled it very well, but I can also understand like, well, I'm seeing this from a different perspective. I'm not living what she's going through. So I might behave the same way. I don't know, you know? Um, but that I, that's what I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So time goes by and then it's Christmas time. And I think the implication is like, since Halloween, like things have maybe gotten slightly better, but not better, better because when they're leaving the like Christmas, um, wait, did he get abducted in between? Um, did he get abducted in between Halloween and Christmas? No, it was the day after Christmas. Okay. All right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So they're leaving like the pageant and the little boy says like, why are we sad? And I really like that line because even the little boy can pick up that something is wrong. Like something is off. And the mom's like, well, we, we're not sad. We just, we just watched your presentation. It was so good. And we're going to, you know, it's Christmas. And so they go to the cabin for Christmas and they're opening gifts and they're all laughing and they're all having fun. And it almost seems like, like they're, like things might be okay right and then that night is when and, oh. and hang on hang on one second please yes. um 
the, I think this second trip to the cabin is for me the highlight of the entire film. Mm-hmm. And it even starts that night. I, I guess it, it's Christmas night or Christmas Eve. I don't know what, but they're like, they're opening presents and it's fun. And they have a Polaroid camera. And this is where my favorite visual things in the movie really begin. And Whitley is sitting in like an armchair and he takes a picture of the festivities with his wife and his son. And the flash goes off and the image freezes for some reason. Yeah. And then it kind of snaps back into reality. And it's so weird. It's out of place for the movie. And it's just like, there's a lot of unsettling weirdness visually. And that for me is where it starts. And um, it goes from there. So yeah, go ahead. Oh, by the way, the kid is playing with Starcom toys, which is something I played with when I was a child. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't cool. even note. I didn't even notice that scene where the Polaroid, like, where things froze for a second. So, it's news to me. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> notice that at all. Lauren, you're gonna have to rewatch it. Yeah, I think I will pass on another that watch. <laughs> but you know. It already took two years off my life. I'd like to <laughs> save those other two years. Oh, you're only going to live for four more. <laughs> oh, you mean, yeah, I see. No, off I mean, I total, don't I want think. another two yeah. years. So you'll I see. Yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that night, after they've had a very nice little Christmas evening, um, they're in bed, and that's when, like, the aliens really come and carry him away. And... Also, that's this is the moment that I mentioned that his wife like wakes up and she's like screaming and she's very upset. And she's alone in the bed, I believe, right? Yes, yep, because they're carrying him. She can see like the blue aliens carrying him away and it's chaotic. And um, I'm trying to remember they do so they they put like a like they do something behind his ear, they poke like a needle or something behind his ear Mm -hmm. and then the next morning because it's the next night where he like shoots her almost shoots her right like it's a different night yeah um, I, think. I think so yeah okay so the next morning i have to tell a story about the next morning <laughs> so okay mike and i were talking like we were just talking at work like a year before i even saw the movie i didn't even know the movie was really a thing and mike and i were talking just you know and he says I had a, there was an owl in my room last night and I was like, we were talking via Skype or, you know, like a, a, a Skype program. Right. And he said, yeah, there was an owl in my room last night. And I was Skyping and I was like an owl. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, was that like a dream? And he's like, there was, there was an owl. And I kept like asking prodding questions and I was like, that's a weird dream. That's kind of like a nightmare. And he's like, yeah, I just, it was just an owl in my room. And he wasn't really saying it was a dream. He wasn't really saying it wasn't a dream. And I remember thinking like, that's, that's a, that's a crazy dream. And then, you know, the conversation turned and whatever. And then flash forward to like a year or more, I don't know. He's like, hey, you should watch this movie Communion. So I'm watching the movie Communion and Christopher Walken walks into his kitchen and says to his wife, was there an owl in the bedroom last night? And I was like, oh my God. Listen, it's the world's stupidest and most pointless long con that has ever happened. Oh man, that's good. I I remember texting you because I paused the movie and I remember texting you and be like, Mike. You've never had an owl in your room. 
it was all over the movie and i think you texted back something like oh my gosh i forgot about that (laughs) that's i actually have heard the owl in the room before thing i don't know where i've heard it but i remember when he said it in the movie i was like wow that sounds familiar i'm like that is so weird so i don't know is that like in other things or like i don't know i remember reading like a nancy drew mystery when i was a kid and there was like some spooky things happening with an owl in the room that people thought were monsters so maybe like owls are kind of like commonly maybe it's just like a thing yeah they're there's something they're nocturnal so they're going to be active at night when things are always scarier and they right. they have uh, gigantic eyes in proportion to their bodies which is something associated with you know the um the pop culture idea of aliens like the small gray sectoid aliens have large heads and giant eyes and minimal other features so if you saw an owl like in a window or something like that it would be it would be a, a frightening image, I think. And and again, it's like this recurring theme in the movie about Whitley. We see more graphically some things that happen to him overnight, but then in the morning, again, it's washed away, kind of like a dream, but he's got just a, a hint of it left in his head. And I love the asking about an owl. And he's just, it's super casual. He's not, he's not creeped out or anything. He just, he's out of the shower. He's like drying his hair with a towel, like in the kitchen. And it's all like, brightly lit and really safe feeling he's just casually says was there an owl in here i thought i saw an owl and 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 the wife is just like busy like cooking or doing dishes or something she's just like owl (laughs) i don't think so and that's it and i love like the difference between his conscious self after the fact yeah sorry interrupt you sam have you guys heard of the staircase it's like I have a, one. Uh, I'm looking at one as we speak. <laughs> nice. Um, no, <laughs> you can go up or you can go down. Not yeah. quite. <laughs> it's versatile. <laughs> it's very versatile. Uh, no, it's um, a documentary about a guy who his wife fell down a staircase, and it's pretty obvious that he pushed her. But at one point he goes, "No, no. What happened is an owl flew in. She got scared." And then she fell down the stairs and you're just like, okay, so in the middle of the day, an owl flew into the house, scared your wife and she fell down the stairs. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. And then you find out later that actually his last wife also died the same way. So those owls, jeez, they should put screens on their windows. Yeah. (laughs) No, she fell down the staircase, but like all those owls. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a menace, really. Like people are falling down staircases, thinking the aliens are abducting them. It could just be owls the entire time. Every murder was caused by owls. I'm yeah, just saying they're dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't want an owl in my room. <laughs> I keep thinking about that story you told me where you were doing laundry at your parents' place and you thought you saw an owl in your car. <gasps> I sent you, you that the picture? photo. Yeah. Did you see the picture I sent you? Yeah, he's, he's yeah I sent Mike the photo too. I screamed. I thought there was an owl in my car. I'm gonna have to put it. I'll put it on. I'll put it on my social media so people can see it. 
uncanny. It, you can it send it to me. I can put it on the Instagram. The scariest moment of my life because <laughs> I was like, A, how did a snowy owl get in my car? And B, what is the creature that's in my car? And my mom laughed so hard at me because I screamed <laughs> so loud. No, send it to me. I'll put it on the I'll put it on the Insta. All right. For, her, um, for everyone to see yeah for this one yeah uh, yeah i like i like that he rationalized it with an owl and i like that he's like mike said they're very calm about it like he's not freaked out that even like even if it wasn't an alien even if it was totally natural and an owl had come in the house like you'd be like we gotta get this owl out you know yeah so it's interesting how calmly all that he's talking about it and he's talking about like how his his um his like he's got pain behind his ear and his wife looks and she's like yeah there's a little mark there so whatever they did there like left a mark right. that's when yeah. they're out like on a nature hike right yeah yeah because he's and he oh, starts yeah. like a, he like sits on the ground and he's like i don't feel good and then she's looking at the little mark yeah and she says does it hurt when i push it and he's like yes <laughs> i know she's like I and again, like she almost looked like she was like, "Does it hurt when I push?" And then he, when he said yes, it almost looked like she was like, "I'm just gonna do that again, just to make sure." <laughs> <laughs> she didn't, but it looked like she was about to reach over and like yeah. be like, "I just wanna, I just wanna double check." <laughs> oh, pain. Okay, great, got it. That, that's another fun scene with their son, I think, as well. Uh, yeah. Because, well, before before he sits down on the ground we see them walking and they're kind of like in mid conversation as the scene starts and walking saying something like, and another thing about bears, not only are they as big as a Volkswagen, <laughs> but they can chase you, they can climb up a tree and just to like freak the kid out or whatever. And, but then when he sits down and he's holding his head and he says, I'm going to go back to the cabin, you guys go on ahead. And the kid is something like, dad, come on, gets, gets, are you serious? You know, he's the kid, uh, won't stand for his dad not feeling well and he the kid's not taking it seriously and that's what i like because kids don't take things seriously right i agree i really like that as well yeah it's it's a good performance by a child i thought that it wasn't like because sometimes when they're like too precocious it's like annoying you know Mm -hmm. and you're like okay kids like you're five years old you don't actually know what you're talking about you know what I mean um but with this it was very it was very logical I think for a child to behave that way you know yeah because you just want like you're having fun and if your dad feels sick and he leaves it's not fun and and as a kid you're just like no you're fine come on it'll be okay like let's keep having fun and I I agree I think that's a really cool moment I really like it it's good it's good so then we should talk about how the aliens come back and he gets out his gun or whatever. Yeah. So I, well, there's a scene right before that when they're in the bedroom, him and his wife, and she's like, and I had a question about this scene as well, because she's really like, she's kind of like, she's pretty angry, but she's saying like, you're, you're going crazy because of a, a cloud that went over the moon, a cloud that went over the moon. And she's like, saying stuff like like really upset at him and i was wondering if maybe that was how she's rationalizing it because she woke up this second like that time the night before like her her eyes were open like she was screaming so she probably remembers something 
And is she rationalizing it? Like, listen, it was a cloud that went over the moon or is she still upset at him? Like, what do you guys think? I think she's probably rationalizing it. I think it's, I feel like as far as like typical human behavior goes, that rationalizing something, whether it's um, like weird, you know, or if it's like a traumatic event, that that's pretty normal because you're just trying to figure out like, okay, I have to put this in a way that my brain can like make sense of it, can, you know, can understand what's happening. Um, Because I, I, there's just things that, that occur that are just too much, you know, it's, it's just beyond our comprehension or even, you know, in in traumatic situations, it's, you're just kind of like, how is it possible that this thing happened and I couldn't have, you know, foresaw it or or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, So that's what I think. I think she was rationalizing it. Yeah, I'm with Lauren on that. I even if um, even if his wife has some fleeting memory of something weird happening the night before, it would have been the first time for her, I think, that yeah. she had anything like that. So uh, for her, this isn't a recurring phenomenon, and therefore, it if she again if she remembers anything, it's easy for her to write off because it's not something that's been happening over and over again. So. Yeah, when they're in the cabin, in their bedroom, kind of arguing, I think it's more just legit her being upset with his behavior and how he's dealing with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That's good. Yeah. Because he's he's yeah. up, it's, it's nighttime again, and he's like sat up and he's convinced that, I think, if this is the scene we're talking about, he's convinced there's something going on right there in the moment like there's something in the cabin right yeah yeah right he gets well his gun. he's like getting his gun out and he's starting to like load it with bullets and everything um so he's like on full out freak out mode so i think that's that's also part of the reason is that she's probably I'd like that to- because yeah they're kind of arguing anyway and she mentions the cloud and he gets pissed and says what cloud what cloud and he's like yeah. smashing be quiet because of the kid and he smashes his fist on the like a nightstand or something and he stands up and he gets a shotgun off of like a cabinet. And I can't, assuming again that the wife is the one kind of in her right mind or the voice of reason, how like scary would that be? Your husband is loading a shotgun and like the, the shells like fall off of the, it's kind of like a little bit chaotic, like the shells and the, the carton fall off of a table or something like that. And he has to like fumble around with it, but he loads the shotgun anyway and i think she would be scared shitless i mean i would be you know if my partner was doing that yeah i actually thought that that was the scariest part of the movie because i was like is he gonna shoot her like i wasn't (laughs) i was not sure what was going on and it's not out of the realm of possibility that husbands kill their wives you know like it's you know um I, I didn't think that it was gonna happen just based on what the actual like movie was about so far but i thought like that was the scariest part because he was so unhinged and now he's getting a shotgun and I'm like, great, here he is like in, in the house with his wife and his son, his pretty defenseless son, who's like five years old or whatever, seven maybe. Um, and yeah, to me that, that was the creepiest part of the film. I agree. That was very scary. And yeah, like seeing your like unhinged husband load a shotgun would be, (laughs) pretty terrifying 
Oh yeah. And, and it's these, it's this sequence of events that has my favorite visuals in the movie. And it's, I think, um, forgive me if I don't have all these, like this sequence correct, because it's, like I said, it's been a few weeks, but he kind of patrols the house at night. Um, looking around, he goes outside and like turns the lights on. He comes back inside and the, the, the cameras show these images of things that aren't pertinent, but it's just weird as hell. Like it shows a close up of a clock, I think in the kid's room that has these like giant oversized hands ticking, like the second hand is ticking. I hate that clock. Yeah, that arrow <laughs> clock, yeah. yeah. I hated that clock. I was like, that is the ugliest fucking like cartoonish looking clock I've ever seen. I don't, I hated it. I don't, I don't know why, but I just like, they showed it twice and both times I was like, fuck that fucking clock. <laughs> Well, I, I get kind of creeped out by it because I don't like know why they're doing this. Like, why, why am I being shown this? But everything that hap was happening then was unsettling. And that just kind of weirdly added to it. Um, he, he, op he goes in up to a closet door and opens the door and there's a stuffed bear like hanging on a hook or something. And the camera pushes up aggressively into the bear's face. And it's got these giant like felt eyes that you would never see on a plush bear oh yeah i thought of that too i thought that was very weird i was like it looked like someone took out the original eyes like plucked them mm -hmm. out and then like sewed some sort of like felt eye on there that was really weird and out of like it just i yeah mike i totally agree with that like i was like this is this is odd like i've never seen anything like that before and even now we have these like weird like you know really colorful little like plushy animals that have gigantic eyes but they're still made of plastic so it's like they're not made of felt and it was unusual and and i i didn't like that bear either yeah i think it was just more creepy uh visual shots and it's the the theme is running with like okay these gray aliens have big eyes he thinks he saw an owl in the room last night another creature with big eyes and then when he's patrolling his house in the dark he c happens upon this bear with gigantic eyes and it, yeah the way they shot it really strange and i really like it yeah that's another image that mike would send to me randomly that i didn't know what it was from until i saw communion <laughs> is the bear with big eyes <laughs> pretty funny just randomly yeah. like just yeah. like here look at this photo i like it <laughs> and yeah. also they show a, a close-up of a toy robot i think oh um, yeah <laughs> oh okay yeah later on i had like mega issues with the robot making a return but yeah they like show a close-up of things like that around the house yeah and isn't like an that, armadillo that, the robot that was like statue. floating in midair later yeah. yeah yeah that was weird that was a weird <laughs> so part strange. i didn't really understand why i didn't understand that i was kind of like i don't what's the point of this like floating in midair but yeah but anyway yeah so yeah he does he goes around the house and that's i like that as well because he know it's like it's almost like if they're there and it seems like they might actually be there but they keep evading him so they're like like he'll get into the room just as they leave so then he just sees like other things mm -hmm. right right and until he gets into the kitchen and in the dark you can make out the like almost the silhouette of one 
standing at the table and it's short, you know, it's like maybe four feet tall and it moves a vase from to the side to in front of it, almost like, Oh, I'm hiding behind this vase now. And that's when he, he's carrying the shotgun with him the whole time. And that's when he fires at the vase and blows it to bits. And his wife comes out to see what the commotion is. And he turns the gun on her and fires, but he at the last second, like catches himself and, angles the shotgun upwards so he fires into the ceiling instead of blowing his wife's head off yeah that's right yeah he's like too startled to like he's just he's thinking with like his animal brain and his animal brain is like i gotta fight Mm -hmm. and so when he hears a noise he's just like that's it boom you know and and he doesn't like even you know for a second realize that it's his wife until he's already shot but she's okay so But that's, I I think, like, the breaking point in the movie. Like, we've seen them bicker a couple times with what's going on. And they were arguing right up to this scene. And then when he fires the gun twice in the house is when, like, the family really breaks down. Like, it's over. And she tells him that they're going to call the doctor in the morning. So they can figure out what the hell is going on with him. And And he's resigned to it. He's resigned to it, which is important, I think, to make it to make him likable like he he doesn't argue yeah in fact, he, he starts crying a little bit and just kind of nods and he hugs his kid and it's cool i was kind of surprised that she didn't like leave him yeah i was like he just shot at you just saying he might not miss next time <laughs> and i because if i was put in that situation it was me and my child and i you know like Obviously, I would want my husband to get help, but if it's going to be a situation where I don't know what's going to happen the next time, he might not miss next time. I wouldn't put my kid in that situation. I would leave. Well, I'd just, be like, you got to work on your shit. But just to be clear, he didn't shoot at his wife and happen to miss. He aimed at his wife before he knew who it was and he was pulling the trigger. And then he like instantaneously saw it was her and angled the gun upward so oh, as okay. to not so as to not shoot his wife yeah but still (laughs) i think i would still probably leave that situation i don't think i'd be i don't think i'd be as cool as she was i think i'd be pretty freaked out absolutely i gotta get out of here like nope it it was not it was not an acceptable situation in any means i just didn't want to give the impression that he tried to shoot her and just missed okay okay yeah no that's good that's good that's good to clarify one thing i Uh, liked about that scene um is it after he missed and the little boy came out because it obviously woke the little boy up and he's like what's going on who's shooting and it's so beautifully muted their emotions because they can't get hysterical in front of the kid i think part of it maybe is the shock like they they're not hysterical just because what happened was so shocking but also she doesn't want to go into hysterics in front of the child i think yeah so she sits with her back to them and she's crying and then he cries christopher walken cries a little bit but it's i don't know i i really 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 like that understated acting because yeah maybe if the kid wasn't there after a couple moments of shock they would have really like they might have had a, a bigger fight but because the kids there, everything like the whole tone is different, you know. And yeah, I agree. Like, I'm surprised that she didn't say like, "Okay, pack your things, we're leaving. Dad's staying at the cabin," you know. Like, 
Yeah, or something. She gave him like, a lot more like leeway than I, I think I would have as well. But I do <laughs> also think it was an ultimatum of some kind for her to be like, listen, I'm calling the doctor. Right. Because I like he, that he was he went along with it because um it's and you know, Sam, you and I have talked about this before where like they'll have the male character be very like stubborn about about stuff and it's gotten to a point where like you almost shoot your wife you need help you know mm-hmm. like don't ignore it this is obviously like a really scary and awful situation so don't be a dick about it just go and get the help that you need you know because we're trying to figure this shit out um so that was that was nice to see that it was it felt more like these characters the 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 you know husband and wife were more on like equal ground than i've seen before in movies um whereas like i don't know i think usually like in in films either like the the woman is going through something and then the man just like doesn't believe her you know like yeah. that's what happened was happening in like insidious where she's like i'm seeing something and he's just like no you're not <laughs> it's yeah. like okay well your wife's freaking out crying so something's fucking wrong here you know and it's it, and it was nice to that they were it was like an equal partnership rather than um him just being a dick about it you know mm-hmm. i agree yeah yeah, so I, I like that. So they go back and he goes to see his doctor. And then um, after the doctor's appointment, he's talking to his wife at home and he was like, yeah, he wants me to see a therapist. And it's a therapist that specializes in rapes. And I, yeah, thought, I thought that, was, that interesting. was interesting. Like, why do you guys think, like, why would that be the therapist? Like, I understand because, like, he was violated. We find that out later. But the doctor that, like his medical doctor why would he want him to go see somebody who specializes in rapes well he, if he did like a full body exam it's possible that he could have examined oh. examined the guy's you know butt and saw that there was you know maybe like damage there like tearing or something like even even like a little bit of minor damage and been like oh maybe like cuz i mean as i've said before using um rationalization to try and figure out trauma that could be another situation where maybe like the 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 doctor thinks like it was possible that he was assaulted and And suppressing it and he yeah he's suppressing it or he's like trying to make up like oh no it wasn't assault it was an alien you know it was an alien that probed me it wasn't another person or something so um I think that's a, that's an interesting aspect to add into the the whole story because it, it's kind of like almost unexpected that he would go to like a like a a therapist that specializes in in sexual assault, but at the same time it makes a lot of sense because yeah. you know again you can rationalize a lot of different trauma. Yeah, and as the movie goes on a little bit, it makes sense that that's who he would go to, but. Th- the thing is, as the viewer up to this point, it would have helped to see what his discussion with the doctor was more, because yeah. I still, I'm unclear on what memories Whitley has and shared with his doctor um, to point him in that direction of the therapist he went to, and that we're kind of in the dark on that. Um, 
so yeah, be it a physical examination or something he told the doctor about what he remembered, because I'm still pretty sure Whitley's memories are not clear on what's been happening, except that he thinks there's somebody in his, that there are intruders, you know. Do you think right. maybe him not talking to his doctor about um, what happened to him was like a product of its time? You know? Well, I, again, I just don't know if he knew enough to tell his doctor. Right. Like, because his, I don't think the, the abduction memories are brought to light until he gets to the therapist and undergoes the hypnosis sessions. Up until then, I think it's just a blurry anomaly oh, yeah. at best, except in his waking hours, he is convinced that there's something or someone in his cabin. And, but I don't think that he had any, you know, really solid memories to go on. Yeah, that, right. that makes sense. I that might be wrong. Sense. I don't know. I don't know what the hell. This movie kind of unravels, you know. <laughs> I mean, no, I think that makes sense. He, he definitely could have, I mean, they could have added like two minutes or something where he'd been something like, I have anal pain or whatever, you know. And so like, they're like, well, let's, you know. <laughs> That's I mean, his Oscar winning line. <laughs> Doctor, I have anal pain. <laughs> That's my Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> I have eight. I can't do either. I sound like Bell like Lugosi. <laughs> I have anal pain. <laughs> One anal pain. Two anal pain. Two anal pain. <laughs> Three anal pain. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Well, I think if if nothing else, there's something to be said for just leaving it vague, and that's yeah. what that's what I like about the movie. I up to this point so far is that we've only got glimpses of what's been happening uh, for the most part. And similarly, um, we're kind of left in the dark on what's going on up until we get to the hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. he goes to the lady, the woman who, I don't know if you noticed this, um, but I looked it up. If anybody watches this movie for the first time, I would challenge them to watch up to the hypnosis scene stop the movie and maybe never watch the rest of it um, <laughs> or stop and collect their thoughts and write an essay maybe uh, turn that into us and then watch the rest of the movie and let me know what you think that's that's what i want and if any of you are actually serious about that it's watchers of movies at gmail.com and yes we will read your essays <laughs> yes please send us your opinions yes. the movie is um it's not currently streaming but you could probably find it at uh ebay ebay video like disc traders maybe you know Amazon, things like that yeah knows. so There's find the it whole world online yeah let me tell you yeah, it is there Just because I agree with my browser <laughs> magical. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, we're getting towards the third act where things really start to get crazy. And yeah. uh, but so he goes to the hypnotherapist and I don't Lauren, did you recognize her at all? I did not know because I recognized her. I knew I knew her from something. And she's from the movie Misery. She's the wife of the sheriff who, instead of, like, investigating, always wanted to, like, have sex instead. <laughs> like, Oh, I've never actually seen Misery. Oh, you haven't? No, I didn't see it because I didn't want to watch the broken ankle part. Oh, okay. Yeah, like well, that, like, after I broke my own ankle, I can't handle, bro I can't handle broken bones in, in films. It, like, sure. really 
like the descent is like pretty much it and I always know when that part's coming so I cover my eyes but yeah. I I hate broken bones in films that like really oh really skews me out it's like very ugh, for me so nope yeah it's, it. it's unpleasant for me as well uh for most people I think but yeah that movie has a share like an old sheriff who's investigating like the missing persons case and his wife is always and his wife is his age you know so they're like maybe in their 70s and his wife is always like hinting like instead of doing this we could go home and go to bed you know <laughs> like she's like very frisky anyway so that's what she's from which was kind of fun and so i wanted great. to um sticking with the theme of visual things i really enjoyed when he's uh they meet uh, the therapist as a couple, which is cool. And again, they're kind of like casual in a way that you would be something traumatic just happened with them at their cabin. But now they're fast forwarded. It's broad daylight. They're in an office, a really nice office, by the way. And they're talking about the issue. The husband and wife are both there and they're kind of joking around about it casually the way you would when you're looking back on something in hindsight and to make make it conversational with a human being that you've just met you you're kind of joke around about it and they're not breaking down or in tears or arguing or anything it's they're just addressing something and it's a little bit awkward if anything but um when he sits down uh for the first uh hypnosis session they do a couple things one is you can see there's a pair of like double doors in the background of her office that close by themselves as he's like going under for hypnosis and that's mm -hmm. just a little bit eerie and they also use um this camera technique which i think is called a dolly zoom where the camera is focused on walk-in and it zooms in with the lens while simultaneously moving the camera toward or away from him and it creates this really unsettling visual where he kind of stays the same size centered but the background kind of warps in this way that's really hard to describe i know i oh, know i know exactly what you're talking about i think yeah yeah, yeah. it was used in probably the biggest movie i know it from is lord of the rings in the scenes where you see the ring wraiths and like coming down the like the trail or you don't see them, but they're coming, like after the hobbits or something. And it, it uses that technique, like looking down this, like this rural road with trees flanking it on either side. And it's a really creepy effect. And they use it just once or twice in communion. And I think it looks great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that technique. Me yeah. Too. Me it's too. very eerie. I agree. So he goes under hypnosis and... I'm trying to, I can't remember exactly what he remembers in each one. Like the first hypnosis, I can't remember what, like I can't differentiate the two in my head. No, I can't either. Um, but he remembers stuff about the aliens visiting and about being like, he's in like the steaming bathtub with them all around him, I think. Well, it's, it's more of a sauna, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's not in a bathtub. <laughs> like yeah. Bert and Ernie. There's one scene <laughs> where he's like in, he's in a sauna, the alien sauna, and it almost looks like it's on the set of a music video. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like, yeah, there's it's... like the one alien dancing like in the middle, in midair. I put and, a um, And that I... was... I really like that scene. I like the weird music video scene. I wrote my note 
one of my notes is why are the aliens always having a dance party <laughs> because they're like to amuse those, lauren they're, yes they're Our like those things, those like things that like the sprint store puts in front of it that like dance you know those blue oh, blow up guys yeah. those aliens like every time it came on to them they were like dancing and then he would start dancing with them and it was very weird and just just to give some clarification in this movie there are two distinct types of aliens or visitors or whatever we'll call them and one is your classic uh sectoid alien they're short skinny uh it's the the face you see early in the movie in the cabin peek around the door and they have large black eyes um I think so they're called the greys. I think that's what yeah. people usually call them is the greys. That's right. Yeah. And then the other type is something I've only ever really heard of in this movie. And they call them the little, the kid calls them little blue doctors, which I love because it's so creepy. And I don't know why he thinks of them that way, yeah, but he so does. Weird. Yeah. Um, but they're also short, but they're very like robust and they wear like robes and they have grotesque blue faces they look like like monsters or trolls or something and in my opinion pretty stupid yeah. and they have uh, their faces are it's a practical effect you know in 1989 their faces are partially animatronic and when you see them close-ups of their faces they just contort their faces and mouths and eyes in weird ways it's like I don't know. I think it looks stupid. And yeah. They, well, it's almost like they're moving just to move rather than it, like to yes. have a reason to move. Like exactly. Just, they're like, well, look what we can do. And it's like, yeah. okay, is there a reason that you can do it? Like, no? look what we can do. And you, it's not something I think you should be particularly proud of. And you're gloating about it for some reason. Um, yeah. If there's anything. Yeah. <laughs> you guys aren't Jurassic Park. What's going on? Oh, by the way, I have to, okay, you know, I'm just thinking of this and I have to say something before um, we go too far. But apparently they didn't invent deaf people until after 1992 because 1992 is when Dracula came out and it also didn't have subtitles, just like communion. So I had to turn my, my oh. like, I usually listen with subtitles because I don't, I don't like um, a lot of loud noise. It's like really bothersome to me. And I tend to like white noise on in the background, like a fan. So I had to turn off my fan and then I had to turn up the TV really loud so I could actually understand what they were saying rather than have the subtitles on. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Because the same thing with Dracula happened and that movie came out in 1992. And I was like, so just deaf people weren't invented until after 1992. What the hell's going on? <laughs> no subtitles. No subtitles. But you didn't need subtitles anyway because the aliens weren't actually speaking. Their faces just moved. Well, no, one... it's for the humans too. If there's one thing I did like about the blue aliens, it's that when their faces were contorting, they they made a decision to make put a sound effect along with it. And it's weird as hell. Like it's I don't even know how to describe it, but there's a weird um this organic-ish sound that happens when you see the close-up of these blue aliens faces contorting and that i do like just because it's so goddamn weird but it doesn't make up I, again for how stupid i think they look <laughs> yeah i i had a lot of qualms about that because i think 
the idea is good, but I wish what they had done is just shown cloaked figures, not shown their faces, like ring rights almost, you know, just like black. And then you can show like maybe hands being blue colored and still get the same effect with the, because she's like sitting in bed with the little boy putting him to bed and he starts talking about the little blue doctors and that's really creepy because you're like what are they doing to this little boy and they've obviously visiting visited him and that's when the wife sort of realizes that like oh it's not just whitley who's having these experiences you know so i think like maybe if the movie was made nowadays well actually they'd probably like screw it up with cgi but if if in a perfect world, I think just show them like very shadowed and maybe just show like blue hands. I thought that would be really cool. And the other aliens, the gray aliens, just I, like, why are they always dancing? It really bothered me that they always were just like doing the monster mash or something. I loved it. And I loved that they were always dancing. Because <laughs> I no, think I... like it ruins the spookiness for me when he's in the ship. I have talked about this before where there is something to be said about subtlety and horror and a lot of horror directors don't have that ability to do subtlety and one of the things that would make something subtle is don't show the figure of like like don't show us what you're trying to like get us to be scared by because then it's not it's not scary anymore then it's there and it's real and, and it's like it's just there's you know and I didn't mind that scene and I didn't mind them just because I knew it was from the 80s so I knew it was going to be kind of like a little bit ridiculous but um if it was nowadays I think you you're right they'd screw it up with CGI then make it like oh look this is supposed to be scary and then I'm like uh well it's not so you know but I don't know subtlety is lost a lot in horror which I don't know if I'd really I don't know if you guys would put this in the category of horror. I don't really think I would, but I also wasn't scared by it. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm curious what you guys think. I think I would call it like a psychological horror or, or a psychological thriller, like Mike called it. I think that's a good way of putting it. Okay. And I'm like, Mike, what would you think? Yeah, I'd go with that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even touch it with a science fiction label because it's, it's not, it's, and I'd like the idea of, if you call it science fiction, it is saying, yeah, he was abducted by aliens. And I think it's better left as something happened. How much is in its, is how much of it is in his head? I don't know. There's more questions than answers. And so I'd like it that way. That's how I have to frame it to, enjoy it at all you know yeah for sure yeah i I do also i do think partially he comes to terms with the alien encounter so they're not scary to him anymore so maybe that's why they made them the way they did but i still don't like the way they made them you know what i mean like as the viewer like oh yeah we don't have to be afraid of them anymore either because he's at peace with it eventually like we'll get there but I still don't like it. I don't like the way they looked. I don't like the way they acted. It was like, I wish that they hadn't shown them even still. But yeah. So, so then, Oh, there was another scene I wanted to ask you guys about. So he gets hypnotized and he's sort of, we see him in the ship for the first time. And then after the hypnosis, he leaves the doctor's office without his wife. 
because he's like very upset and he gets on a bus and everyone in the bus are like the insects oh yeah yeah and there's like the right. woman who's crying and was there any reason for like she's crying and they make eye contact and then all of a sudden she says i'm lost can you help me and i don't under like is there anything that i'm missing about why she would i think him out like that could have cut out that whole bus scene honestly yep. i don't think it would have made a difference okay. to the film yeah i don't because i was like i thought that that was weird too like she's like crying and crying and he like kind of turns away from her almost like like almost like he kind of like a mixture between i don't want to deal with this but also like i'll just give this woman her space you know mm -hmm. um but then when she's like asking him that you're telling him you know that she's lost or whatever it was just like but is this essential to the rest of the plot you know no it's not at all it doesn't have anything to do with it it was i thought that scene was just odd like it doesn't i didn't think it was necessary they could have cut it out for sure i yeah. agree i agree with that i i do think it's a little it was a little cool like the moment when because the bus is is almost full of people and it's normal for at first and then it changes to all the insect masks and this is the same mask that frightened him at the halloween party yeah and it plays like the zany sound effect like for the transformation and it was kind of cool i think how he didn't respond really to it like it just sort of happened and he kind of took it in stride and said something like you're all in for a very big surprise and he gets off of the bus or whatever and i don't know if it was just like maybe his initial thoughts on coming out of this hip Gnosis that would be very jarring to your psyche to just have these memories suddenly uh, come to the surface so clearly and vividly and then he just wanted to get out of that situation he got on a bus and it's really still doing a number on his head that's the best I can like try to rationalize what the hell the scene means but I again it doesn't add a whole lot it's just Whatever. I think if they yeah. if they were going to add that scene and they were going to have everyone kind of change into like a different looking creature, um, why not do the little blue doctors? You know, why why have them change the the bug? You know, it yeah. just, you know, like just to really make the viewer question like, wait, so now he's seeing this and it's not real and we know it's not real. So then what is real? But it, it was no, I don't know. It, I didn't like that. I, didn't, I was like, this is not. Well, I, I feel like necessary again I'm just playing devil's advocate because I don't <laughs> give a fuck about this scene but the it's like the the insect mask is something from his real waking life that really happened and now right. he's in his real waking life the the blue doctors and the the gray aliens that's like his sub his subconscious life so on the bus his real life something from his real life the halloween party like emerged i don't know what i don't know what i'm talking about no i no i don't i was either. equally confused <laughs> so I, that i'm glad that it because i thought that that scene was nonsense as well because i didn't i didn't really get what he meant like you guys are all in for a surprise or I, or whatever i didn't understand that line and i didn't yeah like i think the movie also suffers from too many monsters, like too many different kinds of aliens, you know? Yeah. And so that yeah, and is also a problem. It's well, and like with too many different kinds of aliens, it makes you wonder like, so they're different species, obviously, or, I mean, I guess you assume that they're different species. They might not be, who knows, but, um, 
like what's up i don't i don't know and i was confused at the whole thing where he's like holding up the mask of like the alien face like i guess i was just it just seems like there was a little bit of an explanation missing as far as why there's two different aliens you know for sure for sure yeah so he gets back home and there's a scene that i like where his wife comes like he gets home and they're all home together and the wife is yelling at him and she and he's like slouched and she's like sit up sit up when i'm talking to you take this seriously sit up and he's kind of like oh whatever women are crazy and then she's like listen if you don't sit up and take this seriously you're not gonna have a marriage left and that sort of wakes him up and even though he doesn't want to acknowledge it like he doesn't want his marriage to he doesn't want to lose his wife so he's like okay i'm sitting up i'm sitting up and then she convinces him to go back basically to get you know more help from from the therapist and hypnotize again right so and then and he joins the um the group therapy too that's it that's all i had to say about that (laughs) well i have a comment on that unless uh he goes to this group therapy session that's recommended to him by the hypnotherapist um and she says there's a group that meets who have had similar experiences to you and this this is one of the parts of the movie that make the least the least sense to me and i don't just mean in a way that's so nebulous and it's not meant to make sense it just doesn't make any sense um he goes to this therapy session and he meets these people and they start talking about things that sound very similar to what he has experienced. And instead of being, if it, if it were me, I would think, holy shit, I can't believe this, but I'm actually onto something. Yep. Instead, he's kind of just overwhelmed by it. And he says, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Uh, we'll see you guys later. And, and he just leaves. And that's the end of it. And I don't know why you would leave such a hot lead just behind you. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it will, and it's it, it, like group therapy exists for a reason because you're coming into a group of people who have all been in, in the same circumstances that you have or similar circumstances, and so you're like, oh my god, I'm not alone anymore. Like, there's finally people who understand what I'm going through. So I also think that's weird that he's just like, you know what, nah, mm-mm, nope, mm-mm, I'm out of here, and and takes off when. If I was in that situation, I would be like, oh, my God. Like, I feel like I'd break down because I'd be, like, so relieved that someone else finally gets what I'm going through. And I'm not alone. I'm not feeling like I'm losing my mind. It's like other people are also here who are, like, you know, giving me, like, irrefutable proof that this is a real thing that happened to me. It's like, how how could you turn that away? How could you turn away something that would be you would think would be very comforting you know it would be very like oh my i'm 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 in the right spot like i have kind of talked about this before where i have like a like um i don't know if you call like a hearing disorder but it's called misophonia and i'm extremely like sensitive to certain sounds and like ticking clocks i hate ticking clocks now i just hated that clock in the movie just because it was ugly and i hated it because it was so ugly but (laughs) like in general um like that is it's just it's, it's something that's always followed me my whole life it's something that always has bothered me and i always felt like such a fucking freak about it because i was like why am i so sensitive about these things and it turns out that 
there are other people like like out there that are like me that also have this. And when I found that out, I was like, oh my God, I have a name that I can put to what I've been experiencing my whole fucking life. And it was such a relief to know that there was someone else out there who had the same exact experience I had. And mine is so minor compared to like, I don't know, being abducted by aliens. So I just... It, to me, the whole leaving the, the group therapy and flipping out, it, it seems very strange. Hu- humans oh. are, are meant to be around other humans. We are social creatures. So why would he decide to go on this on, this on his own? You know? I can try to rationalize it, and I don't even know if there's enough evidence to do so uh, given to us in the movie. But one, maybe he didn't agree maybe he was uneasy with their take on it because maybe in Whitley's head, it was still like this uh, anomalous thing that he thought nobody is able to put their finger on. But these people in the group session were talking very explicitly about them being extraterrestrials and doing uh, experiments on them and like taking their baby away from them and things like that. And I think maybe in his mind, it was way more out there and not so pinpointed. And he just thought it was too zany or i don't know he just didn't like the people you know like they seemed a bit some of them seemed a bit fanatical or um like single tracked or single-minded about this and but i did think they even did a good job like there was one guy in that scene i remember who seemed like super relatable and not freaking out like but he's just there and it happened to me and you know if something happened so i don't know that's the best i can come up with I'm, Samantha, think, what do you think? Yeah, what do you? Well, I I have one other thing to say actually. Um, they were also kind of getting on him about him being a writer, so maybe that was part of it too. Maybe he felt like he was being a little bit attacked because they're like, "Well, we don't want a writer in this. We don't want someone writing about our experiences." Yeah, they were um, they were super defensive. Yeah, which I can understand because I feel like most people who are in a situation like that it they're like people aren't going to be like overly empathetic and be like oh yeah abduction by aliens that's got to be really rough like they're going to be like yeah right you fucking crazy asshole like you know like they're 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 gonna make fun of them um so i could maybe see that but yeah sam what do you think a little different for me (laughs) of course quoting kate mckinnon from snl Look up the when she gets abducted by aliens. Oh yeah, 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 um, yeah. No, I had slightly, I had a slightly different take. Um, I agree with you on one. I agree with you on one hand. Why would he ever leave that group? Because finally, here's the answer. The answer is almost that there is no answer at first. When you go to the group, you think like, like you said, oh my gosh, finally, I'm not going crazy. I'm not alone in the world. This is a thing that other people have experienced. But then I think all of the people in that group are victims. And I don't think he wants to be a victim. I think he wants to be a victor. So that's why I think he leaves the group and decides to meet the aliens. Like he goes to them instead of they come, they come to him almost is kind of my take on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. I guess he does go back to the uh, cottage, doesn't he? 
Yeah. So I yeah. think I think my thoughts on it are that they all act like victims in various sense. Like some of them are like, we get to experience this. And some of them are like, I didn't want this to happen to me. And I think what maybe what he sees are that none of them are in control still, regardless of how they view the circumstance, they're not in control. And I think he wants to get back in control almost. That sounds no, good that to makes, me. That makes sense though, because there is one part where someone says something they're like, no, we're not victims. And one lady is like, I am a victim. Like what? Like she is like, she's so convinced. Like she's like, I am definitely a victim. And I could see what you mean by that for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. But then I still think it gets like really weird. Um, like the portrayal of him meeting the aliens, I think is bizarre. Like it's bananas. Like he's, he meets himself there and I don't understand any of that. <laughs> like, and it's like a, like, he's like a magician version of himself. It was the woman with him, his wife, but like, in I don't, I, it didn't look like her. I didn't think it was her, but I, I honestly like, couldn't tell. Like she had a lot more makeup on. I thought maybe it like, maybe was her, but I was like, really, yeah, that was, that was odd. And actually when he had all that makeup on as a magician, I couldn't help but think, I'm like, man, he kind of looks like um, Michael Caine a little bit, like just a little bit with the makeup hmm. on. Um, and especially Michael Caine in uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with the slick back hair, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'd have to see it again. I'd have to refresh my memory of what he looks like. But <laughs> I mean, but it, I also, I don't, I don't get, what that had to do with anything or why this alternate version of him being like a magician made any sense to the story <laughs> yeah. whatsoever it was so weird uh, yeah and he like meets them in a field i guess like how did they know because it didn't seem like did he meet them at the cabin or did he meet them before he got to the cabin like mike what do you think about the whole scene where he's meeting the aliens the last time I think it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, 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 bullshit. Well, he's, before that, he's at the apartment and he comes out singing, put it, putting on the Ritz. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Weirdest song. Yeah. yeah. And, and thank goodness we get to see Chris Walken dancing because he's a very good dancer. He is. And he tells his wife, he tells his wife he's going out for cigarettes and she does this stupid thing where he's out of the scene and she says to nobody, you don't smoke. <laughs> and then he gets in the, in the truck and drives somewhere. And yeah, I don't remember clearly either. I don't know that he gets all the way to the cabin or if he just pulls over at like a rural road and he walks into a clearing where there's a bright light and yeah, he gets on board a craft or whatever the hell it is. And he's greeted by the blue doctors they make him surrender his camcorder. They like wag their their finger at him, like uh uh uh, <laughs> take take his camcorder away, and then they exchange like these nonverbal um, cultural greetings. Like there's a series of bowing to one another and waving their hands in a way, uh, putting their hands together and all of this, and then it gets even weirder than that. Um, well, and he like knows the greetings too. He yes. Like, yeah, which is inexplicable that he. I mean, well, like maybe not inexplicable, but it kind of weird that he would know 
how to greet them. Oh, well, I think he was following their lead. Like they would do one bow oh. and he would mimic it. And that goes back and forth. And then eventually they they shake hands and there's this big musical swell, but I don't know what the fuck is going on. And like, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm made to feel emotional about it, but it's, it doesn't make sense what's happening. And then after the handshake and the musical swell, the alien puts, does the thing where you thumb your nose, you know, you put your thumb on your nose and waggle your fingers and it's makes Chris Walken like bust up with laughter and everything's cool now, apparently between, uh, Whitley and the Little Blue Doctors and I think it goes on from there like he meets the magician version of, of himself who's got the stage assistant uh, woman and he tells him to watch closely and he removes a portion of the mask of the gray alien and there's like this weird grotesque lizard mouth underneath it just kind of goes <laughs> and yeah. Walken's like no I don't believe it there's something more to it than that and it's weird but i don't know i don't like it none of it makes sense i don't like it either i like everything is most of it is nonverbal, except christopher walken as a magician who is saying things that i don't understand anyway even though they're talking yeah like, and i don't he I don't says something it. like i am the dreamer you are but the dream you know yeah so it's, I don't get, like, was an agreement reached where they weren't going to bother him anymore? Or was an agreement reached where he's like, yeah, you can probe me. I'm cool with it. What happened? Yeah, because it does end very abruptly. It, I think it ends with an, a, a shot of the magician walking, like, laughing obnoxiously. And then it's, boom, uh, Whitley's just sitting back in his Ford Bronco or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's morning now. And there's cars driving by. And... That's the end of it. Not the yeah. end of the movie, but the end of that encounter. Right. So I don't understand. And then, like, then the end of the movie is, like, him and his wife walking around an art museum, and they're, you can sort of see that they're, like, they're on a better path now. Things are going to be okay because they've come to terms with what they I experienced. Like scene. But they I thought still, that was a cute scene. Yeah. I, I liked it, too. I like that they're going to be okay, essentially. But I also, and it's interesting because I still don't fully know like they still can't fully explain it like she's like maybe it's god and he's like i don't remember what he says but like but i like that you know that they're going to be okay but does that mean they can go to the cabin in peace or does that mean that the aliens are going to be there good question <laughs> i don't know yeah. so i don't I, know yeah the the ending to me felt like platitudes yeah and mm -hmm. Like, it's just something that is supposed to sound profound. But like you, I don't remember it with detail. I've seen it multiple times because it never had any weight with me what they were saying. Yeah. And it kind of ends with, I think he's back in his office or something, and he's just kind of looking, you know, up. And there's the image of the alien face or mask. Again, it's like glowing really brightly against a black background. And it zooms in on it and what the fuck i don't know who cares <laughs> that's it yeah no it's <sighs> yeah i think that the movie had i feel like i don't know if it's the director who just got like too excited about animatronics and showing the inside of a spaceship or something but i really think it it loses so much when you when you have moments inside the ship 
And then like, I can even forgive, I can even forgive the hypnosis scenes, but the last, the final scene in the ship really bothers me. Like, I think it, it takes any, anything that survived through the hypnosis scenes it it gets sort of killed in that final scene because I don't know what's going on. It's like it's like a psychedelic. It's it's like a drug movie almost at that mm-hmm. point. Like, are we not meant to know what's going on? And I don't particularly like that totally. Um, so I just I think they got too excited about showing everything, and it should have kept it more veiled, like it did in the first part of the movie, which was done, in my opinion, really well. You know, right? Yeah, right. Um. Yeah, I I mean, you guys know how I feel about the movie. So would you guys recommend this movie? I would tell people to watch it for the first two thirds of it. I would tell them to watch the whole thing. But I would say, like, I think it's really well done. I think it's a really well done, understated movie in the first two thirds of it. I think Christopher Walken does an amazing job. And the family dynamic is really good. I think it's spooky. It's spooky for me. I mean, you know, it doesn't give me nightmares or anything, but it's, it's good. It's well done. And I think just for like a little movie that maybe most people have never heard of that are listening, maybe they have, maybe they haven't, I would try to find it and just watch it because it's fun. Yeah. I, I, I might recommend it, but only with qualifiers because odds are you won't like this movie. <laughs> that's that's what I think. Lauren is proof of that. Um, and the critics' reviews are proof of that. But I would say, if I haven't mentioned this yet, I also think Walken's performance is awesome. If not for not in an Oscar-winning way, but it's something only Christopher Walken could could have done. Yeah. I, imagine if plugging in any other actor with uh, with substantial fame in this movie wouldn't fucking work anything like it did and i think chris walken was given some degree of carte blanche on the set to kind of do whatever he wanted and that's why he comes through so weirdly the way that he does so i would say if if you're a christopher walken fan then i would definitely recommend it for his performance because how strange it is um, and if you're a fan of like moody, creepy things that are hard to piece together, um, I would recommend it in that regard. But that for me doesn't even work in the last third of the movie. Like I like the beginning because of the mood, the feel, the creepiness, the end is just stupid. Um, <laughs> however, I don't mean that with any offense because I truly appreciate that the only things Lauren likes about this movie are like the flip-flop of what Samantha and I like. And I think that's so cool um, that she could salvage something from the movie. And it was that she was amused by it in a way that was what I didn't care for. So I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I would not recommend this movie. (laughs) Um, I do have to say, Mike, as far as what you said, if you're a really big Christopher Walken fan, sure. But if you're not, I would never, ever, ever in a million years watch this movie again. You could not pay me enough money to watch this movie again. I was so bored. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I I definitely would not recommend it for sure. (laughs) 
I I admire how you troopered through this podcast with yeah. your contributions for something that bored you so much because it was that, a struggle. Let me that tell is a you. feat. That Honestly, is a feat. I should win a Nobel Peace Prize. Really, yeah. like I I'll get a submitted. I'm an amazing. Human. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, guys can follow us on uh, Google Play on soundcloud and itunes on spotify and on stitcher and if you really like us please give us five stars on itunes because that's how we get out there and if you have any recommendations um contact us at watchers and movies at gmail.com or you can privately message us um it's probably better to do it on instagram because i'm literally never on facebook <laughs> like ever if i can help it uh and uh thank you to oh and did i say our our email address is watches and movies at gmail.com yep and thank you to mike again for joining us and also thank you for our theme music it's awesome thank you yeah thanks for having me back if you want to find me on twitter it's at the mike show 42 thank you guys yes yeah thanks mike and i think thanks for it. recommending this movie Yes, there's the I, I thought you would like it more than you did, Lauren. So that's <laughs> I know. Just, like chalk I know. it up to like another one of our classic. <laughs> she because the whole week she's like, I can't wait to hear what you think about this movie. I can't wait to hear you. I, I am so excited for you to watch this movie. And so I was like excited. And then I started watching it and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um yeah. thank y'all for listening and you know? Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> right? Bye. Bye. <laughs>